Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Connecting to the big show. In three, two, one. You know what I mean? It just doesn't compute, you know? The law is the law. Peter, this is in our hands. I mean, it really is. People were there. We will continue to raise our voices. We're the one for Cork and ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 1850-715-996. Text or WhatsApp 083-396-9696. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The lines are live. Let's kickstart the conversation. This is The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. On Cork's 96FM. So, you get a lovely present from a really thoughtful listener that brightens up your morning, puts a smile the width of Patrick Street on your face. I'll tell you about that later on. And then you hear an idiotic, stupid, kindergarten grade comment from our Minister for Foreign Affairs on the news saying it's really difficult to do mandatory quarantine. Did you ring the Australians, Minister? Did you ring the New Zealanders? Did you ring the people in Thailand? Did you ring the other countries that have been doing it for a year when you were setting it up? Because maybe if you had, it wouldn't be the shambles that it is now. Like, it takes us a week to add a few new countries. We've hundreds, hundreds of empty hotels. And we're still fluting people up in a bus from Shannon to Dublin. Like, did they even... We had a professor on here from Australia six weeks ago telling them what not to do. They've done it all. Oh, stop. 1850-715-996. Good morning. You know, to mind this vaccine portal opening today, I sincerely hope it works. I really, really hope it works. Uh, for the 69-year-olds who have internet and understand it inside and I'm sure they have. Very sure they have. And I'm very sure they do. Uh, they can register for their vaccine today. But if you're 68 and a half, you can't. That's tomorrow, the day after the day after. Oh, I, I, you know, making it up as they go along. They really are, you know. Anyway, good morning. It's Thursday. We're nearly at the end of the week. Um, we've spoken many times over the last 12 to 14 months uh, about uh, alcohol in lockdown and the amount of people who are drinking at home since the pubs closed. Because let's face it, where else have you got to have a drink except at home and we've kind of said that look for the most part for those of us who drink moderately and just like a beer now and again or that's the wine in the evening watching the telly you know it's not going to do us much harm but these top health experts in the country are now very worried about the amount of home drinking in some sectors of society and they're saying there's been almost a doubling in alcohol-related hospital admissions. Our man, Michael Guerin from Brewery. Michael, you were predicting this months ago. For those who are vulnerable, it's been a very difficult year. Good morning. Yes, good morning, PJ. And I mean, the, the prevailing conditions since last March 
when COVID-19 visited us for the first time have really been a perfect storm in terms of individuals that might have been vulnerable in terms of, of alcohol abuse and so on. And I suppose the message we have been, when I've spoken to you over the course of that time, one of the key messages we were putting out all the time was never use alcohol or for that matter any substance to self-medicate a stress. Yeah. And sadly, the, the figures that have emerged from the HRV, which is incidentally a very reputable source, would indicate that there are sectors of the population are doing that. And it seems to be more so in women than in men. Oh, really? um, because the inc- the increases in, in the figures for ladies are, are, are markedly greater than, than for males. Um, and the, the considering the pubs are closed and considering the amount of pub drinking that was done in Ireland due to our culture, there has only been a very marginal fall in the amount of alcohol consumed um, nationally in the course of the past year. So a lot more home drinking going on at home and all the dangers that go with that, obviously. We all know that when you do have the few at home, it's so much easier to have more than you would down the pub. A, it's cheaper. B, there's no closing time. And it's more relaxed. And, And that relaxation that goes along with it, you're not going to get chucked out, you don't have to drive anywhere, that can be dangerous. Yes, and I suppose the, 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 the big issue is that like people genuinely do not realise how easy it is to develop a problem with alcohol, um, given the right conditions. And, and the right conditions are, as you said, um, situations where consumption isn't constrained for any particular reason and particularly if the person is drinking against a backdrop of stress, isolation, idleness or anything like that and we've had an amalgam of all them factors over the past year. So like the conditions have been perfect for heretofore responsible drinkers to become problematic drinkers because of the conditions that existed around them over the past 12 months. And while this report is probably the first concrete evidence we have got that this may necessarily be the case, mm. this comes as no surprise to us with the phone calls we're taking at the front line. Yeah. Um, because we are continually getting calls on a daily basis from individuals and family members of individuals who would have been reasonably responsible drinkers two years ago and now, because of everything that has happened, they feel that their drinking has become problematic. In your own day-to-day work counselling people, Michael, what changes are you seeing over the last 12 months that correspond with the findings of this report? Well, I suppose we are seeing people that, that had, been drink, had been, had reasonably productive, content lives whose lives were thrown into disarray because of COVID-19 for one reason or another. And the biggest thing that happened was from COVID-19 happened and the first lockdown happened last spring there was this underlying fear amongst the entire population as to how bad this might get Mm. and this was combined with people being let go from work and people having time on their hands and so forth and it definitely contributed to an upswing in home drinking and in some cases an upswing in alcohol abuse at home in other words drinking too much and binge drinking and that kind of thing. And we are now seeing the fruits of that in terms of the demographic of the clients that are contacting us looking for help. There's no question about it that the two hallmarks of the lockdown from the from the point of view of the work that we do are alcohol abuse 
and online gambling. Now, I know we're not talking about gambling today, but they were the two emerging yeah. trends, definitely, yeah. with alcohol being at the top, no question about it. In terms of the demographic, the change there is what? Well, the change is where we would have seen people who would have gradually developed an alcohol problem over a number of years and would be coming to us with quite a history behind them of drinking. Um, we are now seeing people who were tipping away along fine in life we're drinking responsibly, maybe at the heavy side of responsibly, but over the past 12 months, that now has exponentially grown into a problem whereby they are experiencing consequences and unmanageability in their life that they did not have in their relationship with drinking pre-COVID. Mm-hmm. And, like, it's not a nice, like, it's not every call we're getting, but, like, there is a constant theme we are seeing in the clients that are contacting us that like there I was, I was doing fine things started to go wrong last year and my drinking has got considerably worse since then Yeah In in, in terms of, of that Michael, and, and because this is what you do, uh, it's a question that I hope I can put to you and you have some good competence to answer it So take someone who's at home all the time and would class themselves as a moderate drinker would, would class themselves as you know a person whose drinking habits shouldn't be really of concern to anybody How would I know, Michael that I'd gone from being a moderate measured drinker who just enjoyed a beer or a glass of wine or maybe one or two more than that How would I know that I'm coming close to the danger line that I need to watch myself before I can't watch myself? Well, I suppose if if you find, PJ, that you're someone who has moved from taking a drink for recreational purposes or for, you know, whatever, relaxation purposes or on a moderate basis, and you find yourself in the first instance probably looking forward to the release and relief that taking a drink will give you from stresses and strains that you are feeling with dealing with everyday life. This is probably, like there is, I have always maintained that there is a precursor to alcoholism and there is a phase that I call alcohol dependence where people are not necessarily fully blown alcoholic but they are using alcohol strategically to cope with or medicate feelings that they may be having and and that's what you need to be careful of. Somebody who is getting through the day and maybe thinking to themselves, I can't wait for 7 or 8 o'clock this evening when I'll be able to sit down and take a drink and forget about everything that went on during the day. Because a link is being made there in the person's mind. There is an impulse control and reward situation there where the person is looking forward to alleviating their stress with the alcohol and that would be if if anybody is experiencing that that's listening I would say to them it would be a good time to sit down and consider their drinking habits before they end up tipping over into what might be an extremely serious situation. We laugh about things like wine o'clock or beer o'clock but if you actually have a wine o'clock or a beer o'clock you're heading down a dangerous road are you? you're absolutely heading down a dangerous road because, again, the alcohol consumption is being built into your daily routine and it's quite possible it could become a daily thing um, where it might have been a sporadic thing heretofore. So all these little subtle indicators that somebody might be developing an unhealthy relationship with alcohol are something are things that people need to look at. People don't go from being responsible drinkers 
to full-blown alcohol-dependent people overnight. There is a very definite progression and a very gradual progression to that point. And like you said, things like wine o'clock can be hallmarks or indicators along the way that this is happening. So people need to be careful about it. It also needs to be said, PJ, in that report that like we're coming from a very bad situation here because even before COVID-19 hit, we were losing three people per day in Ireland to alcohol-related illnesses. Yes. So over a thousand people a year were dying. And I mean, you and I had this conversation two, three years ago that like we were talking about illicit drugs but we were qualifying it by saying that alcohol did more harm than all the illicit drugs put together. Mm-hmm. And sadly, this report today is indicating that that is even getting worse at this point. Yeah, it, it mentions a steep increase in, in off-licence sales, which, that's logic, the, the pubs were closed. Now, you said to me more than once during the year when there was uh, people messaging us here, oh, shut the off-licences. You said that would do more harm than good, but still... It is worrying to see the surge in off-licence sales. It is worrying to see the surge in off-licence sales. There are a few bit of, bits of damning evidence in the report, PJ. The one thing that, that stood out to me was the fact that overall alcohol consumption has only fallen by 6.5% in a year. Our average per capita consumption has fell by less than a litre. In spite of the fact that the entire pub and hospitality sector has been to all intents and purposes closed for a year. Mm. Yet our fall off in consumption has only dropped by um, um, 6% or that way. The other thing is we're consuming in the region of 40 bottles of vodka or 450 pints per annum per capita. Now, if you take the non-drinkers out of that, that makes that figure far higher. That's an awful lot of booze. It's an awful lot of booze. I mean, you're talking about 40 bottles is a bottle a week. And when you take out of that the 25% of the population of Ireland claim that they don't drink at all, that 40 bottles, if you understand, is spread over the remaining 75. Um, So it's very, very high. And again, you know, without going back into historical stuff, we have had a trebling over a decade of the cases of alcohol-related liver disease in the under-35 age group. Yeah. And I mean, if you ever wanted a damning statistic, there is one that has trebled. Like, how like, long does it take alcohol to? And I suppose it probably differs from person to person. But on average, Michael, in what would have been the normal healthy person with a healthy functioning liver, how long does it take excessive drinking to damage that liver? Well, I would have thought, PJ, and again, I have no expertise in this. This would be a question for a doctor. Yes. But generally speaking, we would have seen it would have taken decades of drinking. Um, for individuals to end up in a situation where their liver would be clinically diseased and they would be exhibiting um, symptoms of it. However, I will say in my experience, and again, this is an inexpert opinion, it tends to be far more acute in women than in men. So women, in what I have seen in the course of my work, and I'm not a doctor, but they tended to have liver problems um, quite a lot younger and those liver problems tended to be far more acute in that they didn't bounce back from binges of drink in the same way that men did. Yeah, yeah. Worrying, Michael. Um, we, we, so how do we start to address it? Is it more education about the dangers? Look, I speak, as you know, I speak as a moderate drinker, as someone who occasionally goes over the top. That's, that's what I do. But at the same time, I speak as someone who's concerned for those around me over drinking. 
Yes. Um, and, you know, there are a number of things we need to do in terms of education and awareness and public health. In the same way, to a great extent, that we did with smoking. I suppose the only difference being we were advocating quitting smoking, we're advocating responsible drinking. But probably the, the measure that would have the most immediate effect would be minimum unit pricing. And one of the big issues is that we have with our alcohol consumption is you can buy an awful lot of pure alcohol for a very small amount of money, particularly when you start talking about spirits that are retailed in multiple retailers. Mm. And if you look to countries like Australia, and I mean, I heard you, you know, we, we talk about Australia these days in terms of COVID, but their alcohol strategy has been very sound. When they introduced minimum unit pricing in Australia, alcohol-related A&E admissions dropped by one-third in a year. Really? Yes. So, like, that's the kind of territory we're talking about, that minimum unit pricing. And I please want the listeners to understand, you know, you're saying you're coming at this from a moderate drinker's point of view. I'm coming at it from a non-drinker's point of view who isn't at all anti-drink. Um, And I wouldn't like to see anybody deprived of their social drink or anything like that. But minimum unit pricing would most likely have the most immediate effect on the cohort of population that is suffering the greatest from what's going on at the moment. And in terms of a simple thing like, Michael, a a can of beer, right, which you can buy, what, 20 of them for for 18 or 19 quid in some places, certainly the bottles. Uh, Minimum use, would that double those prices or what would it do? I, I, I'm not quite sure, PJ, how it will work. I think the, the issue is that there will be a price per litre of, of per litre of alcohol by volume, if you understand what I mean. Understand. It certainly will, the cheaper lines, and these situations where you can buy bottles of spirits for 10, 11, and 12, and 14 euros will be gone. And those prices will be, will be brought up to the levels of what the premium brand 75CL bottles are making around 25 euro or something like ah, that. Ah, so <laughs> now, now we got it. Now, now we got it. So you've got to say, if you just take vodka, you've got something like, like Absolute or Quality Vodka or Grey Goose or one of those is at a certain price. And then, and, and, and then you've got, you know, I, I, I'll, I'll, rust, I'll rust your head off on the other side and that's seven quid a litre. That will end. That will end. And I suppose that's the issue. And the promotion of alcohol as a sale item, like that, that type of stuff. Because there are very, I mean, I was in a well-known retailer recently whose name I won't mention. And I happened to be queuing in the checkout to pay for items in the alcohol aisle, if you understand what I mean. And my God almighty, like the price of this stuff was unbelievable. There were 75 CL bottles of high alcohol content spirits at very, very small money. Yeah. And I, I think that's where the harm is being done. In the, is that it's it's spirits very, is the big problem, isn't it, Michael? Really, in terms spirits, of the pricing. Yeah, spirits is the big problem. And to a lesser extent, wine. And again, to refer back to the, the report, um, the incidence, wine sales have gone up and beer has decreased. Yeah. Which was very interesting. There was a 12% increase in wine sales and a 17% decrease in beer sales over the past year. And it, again, that would point to, um, if you tie that in with the fact that female alcohol consumption is up and male, co- male alcohol consumption isn't up, yeah. that would again indicate, without, and I don't mean to sound sexist or anything, that there is a bigger issue amongst women than in men with during COVID and post-COVID alcohol abuse. Okay, 
All right, Michael, we'll leave it there because there's an awful lot in it, in what you say and an awful lot in that report. Uh, great to catch up once again. Michael Guerin, Senior Addiction Counselor with Brewery House, and he calls himself, he says he's he's not an expert. Tell you this much, Michael Guerin's forgotten more about this stuff than the rest of us will ever know. Thanks, Michael, 1857 Sean, you were listening to, I, I admit, I had one of my little rants starting the programme about quarantining because I think we're making a mess of it. Good morning. Sean, you there? Hello. How yeah. are you, boy? I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. Yeah, I just, I could talk, we could talk for a while on the mandatory quarantine. I just think right from the get-go, it was a nonsensical idea, especially for Ireland. And I think a lot of the senior politicians realised that, and that's why it was stalled for a while, and eventually they seemed to give in, even with misgivings, and as as... Their first instinct should always be right, especially Simon Coveney. And now it is seen, it is just chaos. And the thing is, it was never ne- it was never going to work day one. We're not Australia, we're not New Zealand. We're, we're not out in the middle of nowhere that every single person can be screened and monitored. And we never would. We have five or six million people in and out every year. Yeah. But even if it was to come in, at least the exemptions for people that were fully vaccinated and a PCR test at least they should have been given clearance. And that hasn't happened, and that is being delayed. Well, 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 the the problem with the vaccination, and I would completely agree with the concept that someone who is fully vaccinated should not have to quarantine. I have no problem with that. But how do you prove it? Vaccination, sir. How does anyone that's got it here prove it? Because you have a cert from your doctor or from the clinic or wherever you got it. Yeah. That shouldn't be beyond the bones of 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 of. Uh, but sure, I can print of that off of the, off the internet. You see, I can make that up and print it off the internet. Listen, it's fine for NIFIS and the HSE to talk about things. They're thinking like they're in a lab or that we're all test tube mice. We're not. This is a a busy. Well, it was a busy, thriving, uh, prosperous country. These guys are taking us off a cliff. They don't have a clue, and neither do the politicians. Yeah. It's all just one big experiment for them. You, you mentioned you mentioned quarantine and the concept of quarantine, and you said it's ridiculous. And yet we have cases now found in quarantine, cases that otherwise would have travelled on to the four corners of the country, infected other people, and brought our case numbers back up again. So it's working. It might only be a system that we can't do as well as other countries, but it, what little of it is there is working already. Very small quantity. Is that enough to shut the country down? How many? How many people? Okay. How many cases does it take to start an epidemic? Well, in in theory, one. Correct. Correct. In a country of five million people, I don't think we can keep dibs on every person, every day, every journey, every trip. There has to be some kind of a... We had living with COVID mantra about a year ago. Where did that go? They said I'll no. Tell you where it, I'll tell you where it, it went. We tried it too quickly. We did it too quickly. Well, we're doing this too quickly as well. We, we have either... You either go for zero COVID and we open up society. Yeah. Or you have some... You have some movement, and we have some uh, uh, some restrictions. We but manda- have- mandatory quarantine is an essential part of driving down your figures towards zero. Well, that is not realistic. I don't want to live in a society like that where every single waking moment of your life is controlled. And to the, but what's to the- what's controlled about it? If you don't if you don't want if you don't want to quarantine, stay where you are. Well, if you're vaccinated and you have a PCR test, I would imagine you're some 
some way, say, yes. to travel. We, we, we agree there. We agree there. We agree yeah. there. Well, we, but NIFA don't agree, or HSE, and the government, as usual, are just lapdogs in, in, to them. The WHO has even said travel is okay with this. And we still don't forget, even if they have these variants, which are way exaggerated, we still have... How do you know they're exaggerated? We still have testing within the country without quarantine. How do you know they're exaggerated? Uh, yeah, I, because we have zero, we have nothing here, and we still have people coming from the north and across the sea. So the biggest problem know, we have here is the British one. Yeah, the biggest problem here we have is we have a lame duck government who just le- uh, bend over to every little. Well, piece what, of would that that what would you do? What would you do, Sean? What would you do? What would I do? I just well, number one suggestion: anyone with a vaccine and and, and a positive, a, a negative PCR, you're good to go. Let the paperwork work its way. They have they will have the certification officially down the line. I think another. You know, There's a small problem with the PCR one. though. There was a small problem with the PCR, and it's this: if I take a PCR test today, test. no, no, yeah. hold on. I, if I take a PCR today and it's clear, and I fly. And I go, I, and, 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 okay, I'm coming from, for argument's sake, I'm coming from France, which as of this morning is on the quarantine list. I get a negative PCR test, I have it on my paw or on my phone, and I come in through Dublin or Cork Airport, and they say, right, you're good to go. But the very nature of COVID-19 is I might develop symptoms three days later. Yeah, we'll deal with that then. Uh, you but wouldn't it be better if I was in a quarantine hotel yeah. where it can well, be monitored? If I was in a quarantine hotel, I'd probably affect, infect everybody else in the hotel. It's no, because I'm on my own in the room. Yeah, it's, well, that's solitary confinement. That's against the Geneva Convention. Oh, so that, 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 that'll be another story you'll play out. So believe me, there'll be, there'll be plenty of court cases about that as well. Let, the, let us get back Well, you see, Sean, there won't be because we have legislation that says if you don't like it, suck it up and stay where you are. And I'm sorry, I, we will disagree. We'll agree on the need for someone who is fully vaccinated to be entitled to pass through quarantine. I have no problem with that. But as regards this Geneva Convention nonsense, that's where we'll part country, our company. Thank you, Sean. Great call. 1850 715 996. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96 FM. With Dairy Made Premium Spread. 100% natural and made in Cork using West Cork Cream. Cork loves the arts. We do too. That's why we bring you the Arts House. Every Sunday on Cork's 96FM. Who could have imagined, despite theatres and cinemas being closed, the Arts House would be as busy as ever? Maybe we can't send you for nights out, but each week we bring you the latest news from our vibrant and creative communities all around Cork. Whether it's tips for the best live gigs online, new initiatives from Cork's writers and musicians, or great ideas for sitting at home and exploring galleries in the virtual world, Join Elmarie Moore and Connor Tallon as we work to support and keep the arts alive in Cork. The Arts House. Sunday mornings, 8 to 10. With Griffin's Potatoes. Griffin's new chipping potatoes are specially grown to make the perfect homemade chip. Fluffy inside and crunchy outside. Now in store. Cork's 96 FM. The difference between Simon Coveney and the government in Australia, New Zealand, Thailand, Singapore, Vietnam, you can, the list goes on, says Kate, is they said, well, suck it up if you want to come in. They did. And it didn't matter if you're the biggest tennis star in the world. Uh, sorry, Mr. Djokovic. The hotel is that way. The plane is that way. You have a choice. And that's how it has to be. And Johnny says, now, could you just clarify, is the UK on the Irish hotel quarantine list? I checked, but I couldn't see it. It's not, Johnny. Would I put it there if I could? Yes. Can we because of the north? No. 
But at the same time, we can do the best we can. People can come over and back from the north. That causes a problem. But if you fly in from London uh, via, you know, why not? Why not? 185715. They also reckon that the vaccines will kick in more and more in the UK. Uh, the UK will be fully vaccinated probably before we will. Or at least they'll all have their first dose before we will. 60 million of them compared to 5 million of us. But anyway, we, we, we move on. To travel in general, if you've been trying to get a passport for the last couple of months, it's been very slow because the passport office paused most of its operations last December. I think you can still get one online. You can still renew your passport online. I'm not too sure if Passport Express actually works. All the public offices have been closed since the end of last year. Now the Irish Travel Agents Association is calling on DFA, the Department of Foreign Affairs, to reopen the offices. Pat Dawson is their chief executive. Pat, good morning. Good morning, Peter. You think it's time to reopen the passport office? Like, can I get a passport? Can I renew online? Or can I use Passport Express right now? There is a renewal online, but it's not predictable how quick it will be done. Some are getting it very quickly and others are waiting for weeks and weeks. So it's not really dependable, but it certainly is open as we speak. Mm-hmm. Now, you want the offices to be reopened as well, do you? Yeah, well, it is, you know, it is an essential service. And I know from, from Cork City and County, there are 3,400 passports uh, waiting to be renewed and outstanding. And I, we would regard it as, a, as an essential service, uh, like the essential services that, that are open. And it's not due to open until level four um, is upon us, which we don't know what level we're in. It's between five and four. And certainly, you know, with the pent-up demand uh, that's there to travel at the back end of the year, we certainly don't want to Hiccup. But PJ, every year, uh, you know, since I'm in this job, there seems to be always a backup and a logjam with passports as such. And certainly, you know, we're raising the flag now and saying, beware of this. There's enough, enough impediments about travel and we're looking to travel when it's safe to do, of course. And, and, and this, we don't want to be an obstacle down the road. Mm. How do you feel about things like proof of vaccine to travel into and out of? Uh, one prediction that's been made to me, Pat, is that places, for example, that we all love to go on holiday, when we look to go back there, say, late 2021 or 2022, and I'm thinking, for example, of some place like Mallorca or some place like Lanzarote, where tens of thousands of us go every year, they will require proof of a vaccine for entry. That will become a realistic prospect, won't it? Yes, and only yesterday uh, over in Brussels, I mean, that's uh, the EU uh, moving the green certificate. It's a digital certificate, and that's on the move at the moment. And, and certainly that would be done. And uh, we expect that to be ready to go sometime uh, June or July. And the, the Irish government are supporting that as well. So certainly, yes, that, that would be the case. And I know the cruise ships at the moment, uh, the ones that are going, some of them are just staying, going around the, the UK or going around the States or whatever else. But certainly, you have to have uh, you have to have a certificate, an official certificate, uh, in in your hand before before you can board. And of course, there's always problems, you know, with with smart people who who have sort of uh, uh, fake fake IDs or fake pa- fake passes or whatever it is. Yeah. Which you always, of course, that goes on in every 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 world part of our lives. And certainly, it has to be foolproof anyway. But it, it's definitely going to happen. Yeah, yeah, because for an industry like yours, it's vital. I, I, you must be. I mean, this, this time last year, Pat, we were talking about the prospect of maybe getting to the sunshine 
for August, September, October. Now we're looking at next September, October, November at the earliest. Flights are being still cancelled right, left and centre. Like, your, your, your members must be beyond on their knees now. They are beyond. They are indeed, and there is no doubt about that. Now we have we have some uh, aid from the government, but uh, the, the problem we have with that is that we we as travel agents are on, on level five as such, and, and yet we lose uh, any any payments, the the quiz payment, which is very worthwhile. Uh, you know, at, at at level three, which is a crazy situation, because it's a regulation uh, by the Department of Finance, and we've been talking to various ministers about that, and we hope to get that uh, changed. But, uh, but certainly, you know, from the point of view of of our, our member travel agents, I mean, the, the, the problem we have is is that PJ, we still have to be working away behind the scenes because uh, we moved four hundred thousand people last year to this year. Now there's a situation that's going to happen certainly for the best part of the summer that those people will have to be moved again uh, to the following year or later in the year. So all that work has has to go on behind closed doors Mm. and we have to look after our customers and and make sure they get refunds and that. So that's going on. It's part of the service we give. We give to people as such and that's why they book with us. Yeah. Before you came on, Pat, I was talking about mandatory quarantine. And I'll be honest with you, personally speaking, I'm a huge supporter of it. How do you feel about it? Well, I suppose, uh, you know, the, the, the problem is that travel has been given a bad name. But, when you know, uh, medics always sort of say, well, we have to look at the science. We have to look at the numbers. But the numbers are there. I mean, I think it's 0.69% of, of, of transmitted disease came in by travel only. Mm. But the rest of the disease that, that and cork has been great, as you know. Mm-hmm. But the, we have passed that from one to the other. So we have to all look at ourselves and say, look, at none of us are perfect or saints, but certainly we have to look at one another. Why did I do this? Did I, I was told by the, by, by the powers that be that uh, gatherings of four or five or whatever the rules and regulations, and we didn't do it. I mean, we were responsible for it. Now, the variants are, uh, the well, variants are a different thing. Yeah, but the the someone, variant didn't swim in here, Pat. No, I didn't know. And, and, and like it had to come in. But having said all of that, I mean, you know, if you take the example in, in, in Australia, uh, if something came in from, I think, I, I don't know what country it came in, they swarmed over that particular area. The, 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 the contact and trace was done in three or four days. Oh, yeah. They surrounded it and they didn't let it out of, of the small yeah. area. But yeah, the, the, this do- idea about Australia, for example, being the particular, people think, oh, there's no COVID in Australia. That's absolute nonsense. Except that it, there is COVID in Australia. They know, though, where every single case is. That is, the, that is, the, and that point is missing. And, and, and yes, it comes; it has to come in, as you, as you rightly say, PJ. But I mean, that point is, the travel is is a low hanging fruit, and it's very easy to attack it. And us as, as as professionals and travel agents, certainly we want rid of it, and and certainly our country wants rid of it because it, never mind what people worry about the outbound, but like the inbound into the the tourism in Cork City and County yeah. is on its knees as well. Yeah, yeah. The, the airport is on its knees, uh, be it Cork or Shannon, and, and, and those are vital connective uh, uh, buildings and, and, and areas that we need, uh, and it's vital to keep the, the economy going. And the inbound pubs, restaurants, are, 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 are they're certainly can close, but they're certainly underneath, and certainly something has to be done fast. And, and the contact tracing, I think, was very, very poor, and certainly yeah. that was responsible for a lot of oh, the yeah. spread. Oh yeah, oh yeah, absolutely. In, in Melbourne, or for example in Auckland, when they last hit a case, they had done two and a half thousand tests 
within 24 hours uh, in the relevant areas. Pat, finally and lastly, a story that broke here on the opinion line uh, a few weeks ago, but we weren't able to confirm it. It was confirmed yesterday, Cork Airport closing for 10 weeks in the autumn. You can't be happy with that. No, I'm, 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 we've issued a, a relief on that uh, yesterday. And we, we are very, very disappointed as such because, you know, I've always, I've always uh, flown the flag for Cork Airport for in, in, in over thirty years as such, yeah. and certainly we are disappointed about that. I, I, I think, you know, um, I'm not an expert on on, on, on runways, but I, I, I think with the fact that that there there are flights to London uh, three a day, and there's one I think to Amsterdam, and and certainly, you know, there should been a way around it, in my view, and it's very, very disappointing. There's no doubt about that because let me tell you that uh, come when the gates are open, let me tell you there'll be such a rush uh, uh, to go on holidays that unfortunately, you know, uh, um, for example, uh, uh, Shannon Airport. Now I know they've gotten two, two routes, uh, Carfu, and they've got. I think there's another one announced today uh, for 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 September, October, uh, Las Palmas as such, and 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 you know that's Cork's loss and and their gain. We are disappointed. We, we understand what, what has been done, but but certainly, you know, of all years, sort of to do it uh, when 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 the airport and the rest of the country on its knees, it, it certainly I I think there should be more thought about it, and 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 certainly uh, we are very disappointed. All right, listen, leave it there, Pat. Always good to talk to you, Pat Dawson, Chief Executive of the Irish Travel Agents Association, and of course the founder of Cork's famous Dawson Travel. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With dairy-made premium spread, 100% natural, and made in Cork using West Cork cream. Simon Murdoch and the best music mix. Weekdays from midday on Cork's 96FM. Your afternoon in Cork sounds better here. I got all your favourite artists. Brilliant giveaways, turning listeners into winners. Absolutely amazing. Thank you so much. Thank you. And making sure I get you on the air for a bit of a chat as well. Bye. Gemma and Roy. How long are you together? Uh, Eight years. Eight years? Ah, Roy. Yikes. No pressure. Simon Murdoch, midday to 4 p.m. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Conceal, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. For motor, home, business, farm, life, and health insurance, cmig.ie. On Cork's 96 FM. As if a by magic or coincidence or whatever when I'm talking to Pat Dawson we get what you'd only call a a case of two passports or a tale of two passports these texts dropped one after the other literally into the inbox my sister just renewed her passport online with a photo she took on her smartphone she got the new one the next day yeah that online portal that they use for renewing is brilliant but the next day that's, that's fabulous And then the next one drops in. I applied for my passport online in January and I'm still waiting for it. That's strange. Although if the one you applied for in January was a new one, you'd be waiting longer than certainly the renewals. But that's interesting. 1850-715-996. We mentioned to you yesterday that the courts are sitting, the criminal courts are sitting and that we'd be catching up uh, periodically with our chief news correspondent, Fiona Corcoran. A man described yesterday in court as a career criminal was jailed for a spree 
of burglaries. Uh, Fiona, tell us the story of Anthony Horgan. Good morning. That's right. Good morning, PJ. Anthony Horgan and a co-accused Christopher Jones went on a spree of burglaries um, in April last year. Um, the first burglary, it was an aggravated burglary and he had pleaded guilty to that, happened on the 9th of April at Great William O'Brien Street. And the two men entered the home of uh, two other men and they were armed with a baseball bat. Now, one of the men who lived in the house chased them and retrieved some of the money that they had taken from the house. And a week later, then on the night of the 16th, 17th of April, they went on what was described as a spree of burglaries in the Tower Street, High Street and Windmill, Windmill Road areas of Cork, um, of Cork City. Now, they entered the homes at night time and the judge said that because we were, the country was in a, a case of lockdown because of COVID-19 it was inevitable that people would be at home at that time and we heard of a number of different incidents that took place um, but the most significant one was when they entered the home of an 83-year-old woman who was cocooning and they went into her bedroom shining a torch and when she woke up, they told her that they were Gardaí and that they were looking for burglars and they asked her where her money was and mm. she showed them, she pointed to a shelf and they made off with €2,500 in cash and they also took a confirmation card with €200 inside and that was for her grandson mm. and they got £80 in sterling as well and this happened just after 4am uh, so Gardaí um, identified the two men on CCTV footage and arrested them 12 hours later. Now we heard that Anthony Horgan, who was homeless at the time, uh, was uh, interviewed by Gardaí a number of times and he wasn't very cooperative and he became quite aggressive at one stage and he picked up a steel bin that was in the custody room and threatened to throw it out the window and threatened to throw it at one of the Gardaí who were there at the time. Um, and we heard yesterday in court that he um, as you said there in your opening he was described as a career criminal he has 88 previous convictions he served um, a number of sentences both here and in the UK mm. and we heard that one of his previous convictions involved uh, the um, robbery of a man who was in his 60s and who was in a wheelchair and he threatened him with an iron bar uh, we also heard that he had an addiction to drugs and he was taking heroin and crack cocaine and we heard that these um, robberies or these break burglaries were happening because they were looking for money to buy drugs and um, his defence barrister Alison McCarthy said to the court that his life of crime really began when he started taking drugs and things mm. just went out of control. How old is he, he now, Fiona? Do you know? He's 45 right. now. Um, and we heard that his first uh, criminal offence dated back to when he was 17. Mm. So, um, 40 years. Judge... 30 years, yes. Um, so Judge Sean O'Donovan said that he didn't really see any hope of um, of rehabilitation for Anthony Horgan at this stage. And he took everything into consideration. He took into consideration the fact that these homes were all occupied at the time um, and that, you know, that, that he had pleaded guilty to the fact that um, they had impersonated a Garda. And um, he s sentenced him to seven years in jail and he suspended the final year um, so he's now serving he's going to be jailed for six years OK OK thank you very much for that and uh, OK
occasional updates from the criminal court sessions as they continue downtown over the next couple of weeks with Fiona Corcoran, our senior news reporter. Thanks, Fee. We've talked several times in the last year or so to Evelyn about Charlie and Charlie's problem with verbal dyspraxia where he just can't put his words together. The last time we talked, it was about communications boards for schools and playgrounds and schoolyards. 85 of them you've managed to get, Evelyn. Good morning. Good morning, PJ. It's so lovely to talk to you again. How are you? I'm great. And that is wonderful, wonderful news. It is amazing news. So this is all really because of the virtual run that we ran in February. And I think we were talking to you um, but in February, actually, when we were running that virtual running race. We managed to raise funds and the aim of that fundraiser was actually to get um, enough money to donate these communication boards to schools and playgrounds around the country. And what do they do? Okay, so communication board, I suppose I was to describe this, is um, a board that contains symbols and pictures and words. And normally they're set up that you can read them left to right. So on the left hand side of the board, there may be something like, you know, what, when, where, who, why. And it can move across to I, you, me, he, she, listing things that people may need. So if they want to stop or if they want to go, if they're happy, if they're sad. So effectively, it allows um, children and young adults who may struggle with the spoken words to be able to then point or touch the symbols that are on the board to try and generate a conversation and have them um, better understood by those that may not understand um, the way that they speak. Because part of verbal dyspraxia, isn't it, and we've spoken about this before, Charlie knows, for example, that an apple is an apple, but the word won't come out. Yeah, and that's, I mean, that is the problem with with verbal dyspraxia specifically because it is a motor planning speech disorder. So it it is centred around the difficulty around motor planning of speech. So children and young adults will often know what they want to say, will think that they're saying it, but by the time that message travels from the brain to all the organs necessary for speech, what comes out can be off often quite different. But these boards um, are not specifically for children only with verbal dyspraxia. These boards will help um, any child or young adult that has a communication delay. So children that may have autism, developmental language delay, selective mutism, anxiety, even a child who can speak and verbalise but may get very anxious and can't find their words can point to the boards. And not only that, we we, we call this um, actually, you know, the inclusion revolution. It's about really getting schools to be completely inclusive and to therefore use these boards as an opportunity to educate other children Mm. who may not have any problem with communicating, how privileged they are to be able to communicate and to understand that not everybody communicates the same way. That people can communicate in many different ways through gesture, um, through facial expressions. The spoken you, you, you want these to become enough. the norm. That they'd they be every. Need to be. Yeah, so you've had a very good them. meeting, and we've only got about a minute for this. You've had a very good meeting with Minister Josepha Menigan. Yes, we did. And I have raised this to Josepha Madigan. And actually, I met with Anne Rabbit yesterday as well. Actually, Minister um, Anne Rabbit is t- as well. The disability minister, the- yeah. Yes, yes. So I have sent on the details to these. I mean, currently, th- these are being funded by, by um, you know, families. And um, it is a disgrace that they're not in every school. But we are sending 86 of these out around the country. There are a number of schools in Cork getting them. School Gobnerton and Mallow, Ballyhas, Dunduros, Gulrennies. St. Killian Special School, they're, they're going to, um, you know, 86 um, different locations around the country, from Belfast, Galway, Donegal, Cork, Tralee, Limerick. Wow. Wow. And we want this to be a standard. And so I'd really ask if there's anybody listening, PJ, that wants to help us get on board this inclusion revolution. To About get how much talk. do they cost? 
Well, I mean, this is like the, 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 the question. So one board can cost €157 Euro before VAT, before artwork costs. It's not that... Um, that expensive. However, you know we've been we've been donating these, of course, to schools, and we have enough to part fund an, another number of these. Um, with scale, we can get that cost down absolutely. Um, but but if you have, if you are an organisation, or if you're a family, or if you're a school, and you want to do a little fundraiser, get in touch with us and tell us we've raised this amount of money. Can we get a board for our school? Absolutely, we will help you. They just okay. need to send us an email to findingcharliesvoice at gmail dot com. Uh, follow us on Instagram, on Facebook. We've all of the information there, the pictures of the boards. I can send out templates. But this should not be something that, um, you know, people need to fight for. You know, it I should know. be a bare minimum. The lines are live. And we're ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 1850-715-996. Text or WhatsApp 083-396-9696. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. On Cork's 96FM. If you missed anything in our first hour this morning, remember the podcast goes up mid-afternoon on all of the usual platforms and on the Cork's 96FM app. And if you subscribe to it, you get your copy of the show dropped to your device every afternoon. Magic. 1850-715-996. The lads on the proc were having a cut off me for me having a cut off the government for saying that mandatory quarantine, or rather for Simon Cobley saying that mandatory quarantine is very, very hard. Uh, And I said, well, why didn't they ring the Australians or the Vietnamese or the Thais all of the other countries who are doing it for months on end, the Chinese who are doing it for months on end and ask them how they did it. And they would be told, well, it's a case of suck it up, sunshine. But the lads on the proc reckon that I'm just being populist. I, and they, they make the point that, well, you can fly into Belfast and, and just hire a car and drive south. You know what? Yes, you can. That's I never said you can't. But not everybody's going to do that. And that's like saying, well, do you know, um, there's one gate in the garden that we can't close so let's knock all the other fences that's rubbish you know yes we know people can come from the north and we know it's a problem and we know it's a problem that's very difficult to solve solvable but difficult but why would we stop the rest of the country as uh, from being in quarantine zone John is in Saudi Arabia hello John uh, he says mandatory hotel quarantine give its correct name internment without a crime John. Travel is being scapegoated for government failures. For example, a a not-fit-for-purpose HSE IT system and tracking app. Stop the national shame. Stop the internment now. In other words, stop something, John, that clearly works in many other parts of the world. Clearly works? I wouldn't think so. Ramp it up, I'd say. As Julian Merciel said this morning, Professor Julian Merciel, who we've had on the show many times, the best thing about mandatory quarantine is it works and we need to do more of it. If you had more countries and more countries, at least what you're doing is that you're slowing down the um, importation of cases and variants. It's especially the variants. If you have new variants coming in in greater numbers, then it could really spread like wildfire. But Jarrah says, I agree with everything Sean said. We're being held to ransom for no reason. Uh, all the older population, they're fully vaccinated. They still can't go to the hairdresser or the barber. What's the point in vaccinating at all? So 
I've had it with this COVID nonsense. Well, they'll be able to go from next month. If you read your papers today, Jar, you'll see that there is a real possibility now with things going as well as they are and vaccines going as well as they are, that people will be able to get their hair cut or their hair done from sometime next month, which ain't so bad. We thought originally it might be June or July, sometime in May now, but that ain't so bad. Jerry says the soldiers involved with mandatory quarantine could get infected from the people being escorted with a new variant and then pass it on to their own families. The whole thing is a joke. Any escorting of these people should be done by ambulance or similarly medical personnel and not have some Defence Forces taxi service paid for by the taxpayer, utilised to escort these people, which is a farce. If we were serious about stopping COVID infections coming into the country. Well, to the best of my knowledge, Jerry, and I am open to correction on this, but I was watching an interview on the television with Antoinette Cunningham of the uh, Association of Garda Sergeants and Inspectors. And by the way, lads, not a guard in the house vaccinated yet. Let's just... But she was saying that the soldiers in the hotels have been vaccinated, that the staff have been vaccinated... But the guards who may have to go in and sort out a problem haven't been. So I think the soldiers involved, Jerry, I think they have been vaccinated. I think they have. Uh, maybe the maybe someone can confirm that for us. But I think that they should be. If they're not, it's absolutely ridiculous. Eighteen fifty seven one five nine nine six. I'll come back to that. But uh, Instagram is the place where you'll find loads of people doing their thing and documenting and diarying it every day. And for some reason, I don't understand why it is, but a lot of people, when they go to lose a bit of weight, take to Instagram to show day-to-day how they're doing, to show their food, to show their eating plan, to show their weight loss. And one person who's been doing that quite successfully is Nicole Corcoran. Nicole, good morning to you. Hi, PJ. How are you? Good. I was looking at your gram this morning. You're doing well. Thank you. Some of the food looks fantastic. But, yeah. but, but why Why did you, when you, first of all, you decided you wanted to lose a bit of weight. Why did you decide to take to something as as public as Instagram? I don't know. I think it's really good for keeping on track. And to be honest, the community and the support online for weight loss is like incredible. Really, really helpful. So I'd actually encourage anybody that's looking to find some support or you know when you're tracking things every day online as well and people are giving you tips and you're helping people out it just keeps you motivated you know yeah or is it a thing that and maybe i don't know whether it is or not you've 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 stated on on the gram that you're going to do this this week or do this next week you then kind of have to yeah like you're held accountable yeah and people are kind of looking at you, and so you're definitely more more likely to do it and, and show the results as well. Because I hate, I'd hate that, you see. Because <laughs> I'd be saying, right, okay, and look, I'm no doubt about it, I'm, I'm carrying the COVID stone and probably the Christmas kilos on top of it, you know what I mean? Yeah, but, if, but if I came to a, a a point in Instagram where I said, I have to do it, that's the very point. I'm not telling anyone I'm doing it, I'm going myself. I like. know, I know. But I think when it's more public... It definitely kind of gives you that spur to keep going. And as I said, like the kind of community on Instagram, especially for weight loss and stuff, I feel like everybody's kind of in the same boat. So people can really relate to it. You know, so like posting like your food that you're having or things that you're finding are working or aren't working. Like Mm. it kind of resonates with everybody. Answer me a question. Are you filtering the pictures of those dishes? Because... 
they're really oh. bright and jump off the page at you. <laughs> yeah, so you have to like adjust the lighting and the shadow and all this kind of stuff just to make it like pop out a bit more. <laughs> yeah, like there's one there, is it poached eggs? You had poached eggs and chips or something. Yeah. So, and like they looked, I mean, I'd, I'd fall on it just because of the look of it, you know. Stuff, I know, but that's, that's what, it, like I'm doing calorie counting and it's just kind of what's been working so well for me. It's like it's a light switch has gone off in my brain because it's like, there's no restrictions. All I have to do is stay within my calorie deficit. Yeah. So I can still have whatever I want, which has been a huge change for me mentally towards food, you know? So you're kind of doing, someone described it one time to me as, Nicole, a calorie budget. So you have a yeah. budget per day. Yeah, exactly. And you can pretty much eat what you want within that calorie budget. Yeah. And like mentally for me, I find like I've literally done every diet out there, like literally. Mm. I haven't ever been a person that just had those good genes of not putting on weight. You know, I've always struggled with my weight. And I just find any diet that I've done, it was like for me, super restrictive because like there was good foods and bad foods. Whereas yeah. Now with the calorie counting, it's completely changed my point of view on food as in like there's no food that's like off limits. There's foods that are more calorie dense yeah. or there's foods that have more nutrition in them and they'll keep you fuller for longer. But mentally for me, like if I wanted to get up this morning and just use my calorie deficit to eat chocolate all day long, if that's the mood that I'm in, I'm still not going to gain weight over it if I stay in my calorie deficit. Now, now how did you figure out? How did you figure out how much you're allowed per day? Who figured that out for you? Yeah, so like I actually when I started this, it's like a minefield because sure, there's so much you don't know. So on my Instagram account, I actually created a highlight of anybody that wanted to start calorie counting. I have it laid out like simply of what you need to do to find your calorie deficit, and literally there's swipe up links and stuff, so it's so easy to follow. Right. So you just put in a certain amount of data about yourself and it comes up with the amount you're allowed per day? Yeah. Because it would depend on your weight, your height, your lifestyle, like how active and stuff you are, you know? Gotcha. So you get up in the morning and you plan everything then according to the amount you're allowed. Like, would you get, suppose you get to five or six o'clock in the evening and you go, oh, damn, I've hit my limit. Do you fast then for the rest of the day? No, like literally, that's the thing. Like, I'm not a one for planning ahead and stuff. Like, right. some people are great, are great for like you know the batch cooking now and stuff, but I'm just not. So I've found it amazing because like like I don't know what I'm having for dinner now today. Right. I don't know, you know, I don't know what I'm having for breakfast and stuff tomorrow. I literally just go with the flow and whatever yeah. I'm in the mood for. And I saw I pizzas made. on your Instagram. I yeah, thought pizza, pizza was the worst thing you could have if you're trying to lose a bit of weight. I know that's it. <laughs> It's finding, it's just all about the calories. And, like, I found new, like, foods that are, like, really low in calories and stuff. So it's like, you can literally have whatever you want. Or there's alternatives. Like, you can make pizza out of um, wraps, so it's way less calories. You know what I mean? It's lovely to have done that. Yeah, they're lovely. Like, so it's all about kind of adapting and just, for me, because I'm personally a binge eater. And I'm in the hair and makeup industry, I and mean, you could go all day without eating, no problem. And then I sit down and I scoff everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Put the menu within two slices of bread. That's it. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that was my problem. So then, when I was on kind of restrictive diet, I, when I was allowed, say, when I was having, let's say, a cheat day, I would just do the dog on it, like eat everything, <laughs> and then. 
get really bad results or whatever. Whereas now, like I was sick for a week there. And so I wasn't doing my walk and I wasn't doing calorie counting because I was just leaving my body rest and I wasn't working out. And like I put up 0.4 of a pound, so not even a half a pound. I saw that. You put up that yeah. picture, point. I said, why would you do that to yourself? <laughs> Telling everyone, I put up 0.4. That's like not even a couple of ounces. I know, but all the points add up, especially when you're losing weight. <laughs> so, but like my body was able to take that rest. And I suppose because I haven't restricted anything, and I wasn't even calorie counting, I wasn't like in a binge mode, you know? Mm. So it's been really good mentally for me for my relationship with food. And how much exercise and tramping the roads do you have to do? So like, like there's so many people on Instagram that do it and I've met so many amazing people and like majority of them don't work out at all. They just step. So they just go for their walk basically. Um, just because any movement is good. And this journey, I wanted it to be different to like all these days I did before of like just goal of like losing weight like I wanted to do it for like mentally and physically and just to be healthier yeah. and I want to do it in like a more sustainable way so definitely I want to lose weight but I don't want it to get to my goal and then be done and then revert back because I've been there you know yeah so yeah. like the whole workout and moving and walking and stuff it's just it all kind of goes hand in hand and I've just found a new love for working out which has never been my thing at all Right. You know, I'm just really enjoying And how did that come? Like you decided to give it a go and said, hey, this isn't bad. Yeah, like I'm literally just doing it from home. Like I'm doing home workouts. But when I started this journey, as I said, I had no clue about anything. And one of the girls on Instagram, her name's Laura Burke Fitness on Instagram. She's um, a body coach. She's actually located in Galway, but she's been so amazing to me. has me long kind of telling me, you know, calorie deficit wise and what I should be doing in terms of aiming for with my uh, like my water intake and my workout so that's why I've been kind of sharing then what I've learned you know because yeah. I know it can be it's a minefield when you're starting something and you don't know where to even start all right well it, it looks good and uh, Mary Jane just tweeted she said she just followed your account on Instagram and the food looks fabulous and it does <laughs> thanks it which is mad about that because I literally, before I started calorie count, I did not cook at all. Like, we were just takeaway, takeaway, takeaway. Um, so it's actually made me start cooking and actually enjoy cooking, which is huge. <laughs> Absolutely. All right, listen, well done. You've two, done. You've two accounts, haven't you? You've living underscore as underscore Nicole, and there's a H yeah. in the Nicole. And then your makeup is beauty by Nicole underscore cock. Yeah, and actually, because of lockdown and all this kind of stuff, I've took on creating my own brand. <laughs> so I'm due to launch that soon, that Phoenix by Nicole. Um, so, yeah. Lots You're busy of out, aren't you? What? You're busy out. I know, so you have to keep the mind ticking over. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Listen, look after yourself, Nicole, and continue the success with the weight loss. And it's worth a look. Thanks, Nicole Corcoran. It's worth a look at her Instagram, which is living underscore as underscore Nicole, just for how gorgeous the food looks. Like, it looks fabulous. It really does. And she has these videos in it where she's she's looking at pizzas. And I must say, the missus was bringing these home a few months ago, they're kind of a square pizza and they come from Aldi. Uh, I think it's Aldi anyway. And they're very low in calories.
Nice. 1850-715-996. More stuff coming in on quarantine. Aileen says, is it not true uh, that when vaccinated you could still be a carrier? So why should they be exempt from quarantine when there's potential for vaccinated people to infect people if they are carriers? Aileen, the science, and someday soon I hope to have Luke O'Neill back on. Uh, it's a very difficult man to pin down, but when we do, we have a good chat with him. And I'm hoping also to talk to our good friend John Campbell as well, the, the nurse tutor in the UK, to whom I send good wishes because John hasn't been well the last few days. Hopefully he's on the mend. The science is telling us now, Aileen, that when you've had your second dose, not only are you, particularly of Pfizer and Moderna, uh, predict, not only are you pretty much bulletproof, but you, your, your viral load, if you, if you should get infected, is so low you won't be infectious. So fully vaccinated people, fully vaccinated people, the research is now showing us very promising data that they're not going to be carrying it, which is great. But I see your point. Michael, your opening comment on hotel quarantine is true, but also very sad. Sad because our ministers are very educated people. They've surrounded themselves with advisors and assistants, also well-educated people. But yet none of them seem to have the basic common sense to put in place an appropriate system of hotel quarantine. Very sad reflection on all involved. That sounds like Michael. Uh, is that Mike? Yes, I think it is, yeah. Michael, who's on here from time to time, and I meet every morning walking his dog on Maryborough Hill. 1850 715 the Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With Dairy Made Premium Spread, 100% natural and made in Cork using West Cork Cream. Simon Murdoch and the best music mix. Weekdays from midday on Cork's 96FM. It's Thursday, which means I've got to get some of those throwback anthems on for you, right? We'll test your memory too with the throwback Thursday quiz. I got what you need to help you through your afternoon. See you from 12 on Cork's 96FM. Uh, published by the Health Research Board about the levels of drinking during the pandemic and the worsening impact that alcohol is now having on Irish people compared to back in the 1990s. And Michael brought up several points that, in fairness, he's made several times over the past year or so that, you know, home drinking during the pandemic can be dangerous. Not for all of us, but for some people. And you can slip easily into a habit and one of the points that I raised with Michael prompted a response. Let's listen back. We laugh about things like wine o'clock or beer o'clock. But if you actually have a wine o'clock or a beer o'clock, you're heading down a dangerous road, are you? You're absolutely heading down a dangerous road because, again, the alcohol consumption is being built into your daily routine. And it's quite possible it could become a daily thing um, where it might have been a sporadic thing here to force. So all these little subtle indicators that somebody might be developing an unhealthy relationship with alcohol are something are things that people need to look at people don't go from being responsible drinkers to full-blown alcohol dependent people overnight there is a very definite progression and a very gradual progression to that point and like you said things like wine o'clock can be hallmarks or indicators along the way that this is happening, so people need to be careful about it. Now that conversation prompted a call to the opinion line on Cox 96FM from Naomi. Hi Naomi. Hi PJ, how's you? Good. Now, like like so many of us uh, during the lockdown, you, you started to have an old glass of wine 
or maybe a little bit more of an evening. Uh, but you've stopped. I did. I think the first time, it was kind of like more of a habit. You completed homeschool, which is hell during the day. Mm-hmm. And then you set yourself a target till after tea. That one glass then sort of got bigger and bigger into one bottle a night, if not more. But I think with the second one, I realised that I've got to, you've got to make a routine to get yeah. to, to have it. How, how long did it take to get to the bottle? Not long. Yeah. Because it's so easy, isn't it? I mean... It is, because like, even when you think about it, we had lovely weather. So we all went out, did the garden, and of course, like, the sun's shining, you're going to have a glass of wine. Yeah. And like when you ha- if you have a glass of wine in a restaurant or in a pub, well, it's it's measured out. Exactly. But, but you know, yeah, yeah. And, and then fa- I, I found like there's a bottle of wine in Tesco's. I think about four euros. Yeah. Which really didn't help the the cost. Yeah. yeah. So that was the first, and then the second lockdown. What, what at what what point did you decide? I, I got to pull back from this. This isn't happening again. I think with the bottle of wine, I was going into the second bottle, then I went into the third bottle, so I was ending up having two and a half bottles a night. Right, every night. Yeah. But it was, like, I'm on my own with my son. I spent all day screaming at him to get the homework done. Yeah. Then you kind of baked. Then you made dinner. Yeah. So it was was an endless cycle. Yeah. Yeah. And did did you kind of look at the bottles and say and start to worry? Or what was the was was there a moment at which you said, Nicole, I need to, you need to sort of ease off here? Or what was there something that? Ed, uh, it kind of did not help the mental health issues. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. So I I realized the more I was drinking, the more depressed I was drinking, so I'd get more. Right, right. And then, like, now I've, like, doubled practically size, but I think, yeah, I think it was more the money that actually really sucked me. The money? Yeah, it was getting too expensive, and 
It was just, you know, it was just pure boredom. Yeah, yeah. You saw sense as well, I suppose, which is, which is really good. And and that's what Michael always warns about. There comes a time when you might see sense, but, but you did. Now you, so so you made a rule for yourself. I made a rule that I have a bottle of wine Friday night and a bottle of wine Saturday night, and that's it. That's it. So, that's it. Well, it gives me something to look forward to now. So yeah. yeah. And I, was it hard? No, because I switched a bottle of wine for like a tin of paint. So I started doing like upcycling furniture. I kind of rewarded myself in different ways than a bottle of wine. You found other ways yeah. to do it. Yeah. Or to pass the time. Yeah. But I think like this one, this time round, I'm not watching any of the news. I'm not following it on Twitter. I think when the doom and gloom used to come on every night, the news would all watch it. So of course you're going to have a glass of wine because it's so depressing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 So so now you just have it at the weekends and, and you're doing okay? Yeah, I'm doing okay. Like Yeah, it was just you know, it was just a dirty habit. And I think the first lockdown was horrendous compared to the second one. Mm. Mm. So definitely turning off the news and setting myself other little targets is working, definitely. Yeah. Is it like that sort of if the hands aren't idle you won't reach for the bottle. And that was how you did it in the first place. Yeah, because like, the wine turned out to, if I was having a bad day, have a bottle of wine. If I was having a good day, have a bottle of wine. Yeah. <laughs> it was being rewarded for all types of occasions. Yeah. And, and before, before like, I would have only had alcohol at the weekends, and that was it. Yeah. So, do you know, th- that looking forward to the weekend, though, that's that's very positive for you, kind of. That that like you said, I mean, okay, he's himself is back to school now, but I'd say homeschooling since January can't have been easy. It was horrendous, and as I say, I'm on my own. Yeah, I do have a social bubble, but I only went to them when I was really bad, every once every couple of weeks. Yeah, and having a teenager, and there's not much conversation skills going on there. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, been there, done that. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> How was your day, love? Grand. <laughs> At least you got grand. I get grunt. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, I can, I can, I can certainly uh, ad, um, identify with that one. Nicole, good luck with the continued um, good practice of just having a drop at the weekend and nothing on the school night. Uh, thanks, Nicole. Or Naomi, rather. Naomi. Thank you, Naomi, for that. Uh, 1850-715-996. And good luck. You see, that's how easy it happens. That's what Michael was saying. It happens so easily. She, ended up, she went from a glass to a bigger glass to a second glass to a second bigger glass to a bottle to a bottle and a bit. And after a while, she went to two and a half bottles a night, some nights, sometimes. And then she realized, whoa-oh, this is getting expensive and I'm doing too much of it, so she pulled back. Now, for every Naomi that managed to pull back, there's probably one who didn't manage. And they're the ones in trouble now, which is what Michael was saying, and what that report was saying earlier. 1850 715 Can we just talk? 
the opinion line on Cork's 96FM. With dairy-made premium spread, 100% natural and made in Cork using West Cork cream. Access all areas on Cork's 96FM. Your guide to nightlife on the side. Hi, it's Michael here with an update on Cork's entertainment. This girl laughs, this girl cries, this girl does nothing is the schools and family performance opening at the Everyman Theatre on Saturday 1st of May. It's about triplet sisters left in the woods by their woodcutter father and you can stream it live for the family with ticket information available at everymancork.ie This coming summer's Live at the Marquee shows have been rescheduled to take place during summer 2022. Some of the show's moves include Sinead O'Connor, Dead Mouse, The Two Johnnies, Coronas and Orbital. You'll find more information on the rescheduled shows on Aiken Promotion's social media channels. Access All Areas. Feel free to let us know at Access All Areas if you have a rescheduled show coming up or any live streaming events by emailing aaa at 96fm.ie. Access All Areas. Your guide to nightlife on the side. On Cork's 96FM. Cork's 96FM. Before, ele- or before 10, I promised I would give the contact details for finding Charlie's voice. And of course, like in Egypt, I forgot to do it. So this was Evelyn. And these are the poster boards that they are doing around Cork. These are the um, communication boards for playgrounds and for schoolyards and for inside the schools. And if you want more details and you want to try and get one, uh, you need to go to Finding Charlie's Voice. They're on Instagram. They're on Facebook. They have three different versions of the boards. They have poster versions of the boards. I have no doubt we'll talk more about this next month as well because May is Verbal Dyspraxia Awareness Month. And if you want to email Evelyn directly, uh, you can email her at Finding Charlie's Voice. All one word, all small letters. Finding Charlie's Voice at gmail.com. 1850-715-996. Lots of praise coming in for uh, Naomi. I'll get to that in a sec. But there was an interesting article written this week in The Independent by David Coleman, where he said, For many teenagers, the return to school is filled with anxiety. Because, look, last week on the 12th, or last Monday on the 12th, they all went back. Everyone's back at school now. And generally, people were relieved and happy and buzzing. We're talking to Aaron Wolf here from Skull, or close to Eamon Reish. He did send me the bubble hat, and I will do a photograph at some stage. But anyway, he was saying how happy everyone was to be back. But, but sometimes there'll always be the one or two kids that aren't having it so easy and aren't having it so well and so, you know, it's, it's, it's not great for them all. And there's a new research, piece of research called the How Adolescents Deal With and Adjust to Pandemic Restrictions. It's called the ADAPT study. It's a collab between NUI Galway and Trinity. One of the investigators is Dr. Caroline Heary, and she joins me now. Caroline, good morning. Good morning, Peter. Good to talk with you. Like, most people are saying that the kids, they'll be all right, but we need to be, we need to mind them. Like, some kids were very stressed going back to school this week, and they mightn't have got a look in with all the positive reporting. Uh, yeah, I think I, I think one of the big learning points around this pandemic is that it means different things for different people. So many young people found online schooling stressful and a high lot of pressure. But there's a small group who, where the return to school can also bring its own worries and, and stress. Um, 
I guess particularly for the, the that subgroup of young people where school may trigger perhaps some anxieties, um, that that return to school ca- can be stressful. Not for everybody, but possibly a subgroup of kids, um, particularly those who are quite fearful, I suppose, of the virus, um, maybe those who are more prone to anxiety or maybe those who have a high level of concern, maybe for family members who are high risk at home. So there are some young people who, where the return to school will be more challenging for some more than others. And is there a danger that they can get missed in all the positivity? Um, I mean, I think schools have made extraordinary efforts in the last year to try and you know reach out and support students as, as best they can. Um, obviously, with class sizes, there's huge individual differences within the, these cohorts. Um, it's possible that they they can be missed. I mean, we do find, based on some of the data that um, is coming in in our study, you know, some young people are reluctant to to share their concerns and worries. Um, maybe with close family members, some are more comfortable in doing so or have more opportunities to do so. Um, and so then I suppose you're depending on picking up the signs and signals. And, and mm. you know, some teachers have really good relationships and, and are very aware and engaged in, the, in that. So, um, yeah, so between school and home, I suppose it's about trying to pick up some of those signs and signals around discomfort and, and, and worry and being in tune that there, this means different things for different kids. For parents, I suppose, trying to communicate with, with teenagers can be interesting at the best of times, the, the monosyllabic at best sometimes. So yeah. that doesn't help if you're trying to check out how they're actually doing. So is there advice there for, for, for parents if you're trying to talk to your teenager and try to get them to communicate with you about how they really are? Yeah, yeah. So sometimes, as you, as you mentioned, the direct question doesn't always yield the kind of information that you might like to try and tap into. Um, so maybe, but maybe we're noticing something, I suppose, in their demeanour or their behaviour that we can kind of reflect on and say, I noticed that, you know, uh, you weren't as upbeat today or that you, something seems to be on your mind to try to show empathy and um, reflect back on them, I suppose, things that you're noticing. Mm. See if that will maybe um, spark the conversation I guess spending time in each other's company, so sometimes it can arise, whether it's during dinner time or on the walk or doing things together, can provide a context or opportunity for mm. things to, to emerge when they're when they're ready to, 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 to share or ready to talk about these things. Yeah. Could you say something as innocently as, you know, you're passing the salt? I thought you'd be a bit happier about going back to school. Are you all right? Uh, yeah, yeah. So I think family mealtimes, what we're finding is that family mealtimes are an opportunity for lots of different things and a lot of, it provides that time to have the conversations and the chats about today. Nowadays, when we're also busy, but maybe the pandemic has impacted on that. We have less family meals nowadays in modern world than we used to in the past, but maybe the pandemic is, is giving us more time with each other as a family unit. Yeah. Uh, so family meals are a good time, I suppose, to, to share our day and uh, yeah, chat about yeah. things that are going on for us on a day-to-day basis. While you're there, Caroline, tell me a small bit more about the ADAPT study. Uh, has anything s- s- stuck out already in the research? 
Um, so there's a lot we haven't analysed yet. Um, I guess what we're seeing so far is, um, you know, there are a considerable degree of worry amongst our young people, um, a degree of loneliness amongst at least some of our, our young people. Um, I suppose, as we might expect, you know, some finding it hard to work up the initiative are losing motivation to kind of stay engaged over the last couple of months with uh, schoolwork when they were, um, I suppose, being schooled at home. Um, over half of our young people talked about not having nothing to look forward to. So that sense of hope, I suppose, mm. uh, has been affected. Um, and yes, I suppose it's also been really interesting to look at what kind of things have they done to try and have some cope and adapt. So. I think, you know, nearly three quarters talked about taking up exercise or being trying to remain active. Yeah. Um, quite a lot talked about the importance of learning to live with COVID and, and accepting their new reality. Yeah. Um, and then just trying to do things to keep themselves engaged and distracted. Yeah. Um, also Are you going of, to do this kind of longitudinally? Like, will you look at it again maybe in six months, 12 months and see are there changes once we hopefully get out of this? That's the plan. So over the last couple of months, we've been recruiting for the first survey, and this was our final call. We're really, really keen to get more young people involved. Uh, so, um, and then the idea is that we'll follow them up in six months and then in 12 months. And, and that allows us to look at change over time, um, because I think this pandemic has lasted much longer than any of us had ever anticipated. Absolutely. And it's important that we don't just look at one snapshot, but try and look at adaptation and, and changes o- over time. So we would dearly love to have more young people involved. We're yes. at, um, we have a website called Adapt Research Study. Uh, or people can contact me. I'm at caroline.heary at NUI Galway. And particularly, I'd like to make a special call to teenage boys, if that's okay. They're a little bit shyer at getting involved. Um, yeah. And we'd love to make sure we try and represent their experiences as well. Okay. All right. Yeah, teenage boys can be a, a bit less inclined to share, yeah. shall we say. Yeah. 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 yeah, so I guess uh, uh, young people do need parental consent, so that's and that's all done on the website. It takes just a couple of minutes, okay. and once we get the parental consent, then we can send the survey to the teenagers. So okay. I guess what we would say, it's really important that we have Irish evidence on the on young people's experiences, and um, there's a lot of work happening internationally, but we're really keen to understand teenagers' experiences in Ireland and how it's impacted them right. in many different ways. Okay, okay, Carol, and we might talk again in the future. Dr. Caroline Heary at NUI Galway. That web address, if you want to get involved, is www.adaptresearchstudy.com. Adapt Research Study. All one word, all small letters. 1850 715 996. I'll come back to the comments on Naomi and realizing that uh, maybe she should ease off on the wine, which she did. Uh, and all credit due to her. But I want to mention uh, this. We were talking earlier about passports and about how the passport office, the physical passport office itself was closed. You you can get passports online, but there's all sorts of differences between I might apply today to renew my passport and I might have it by Monday, and someone else might apply to get a passport and they mightn't have it for weeks on end. It's not very reliable. And we got, and we love to get, your WhatsApp voicemails, of course, at 083-396-9696. We got this. Hi, uh, lads. Um, just regarding the passports there, I renewed my four children at the start of January. One 17-year-old, or sorry, one 18-year-old, one 19-year-old. I got them within a two, two days, I'd say. 
but my 15 year old and 17 year old I'm still waiting for um, because we had to still get a guard to sign a form so I assume that's probably the reason why that there's still probably paperwork that has to be actually gone through and um, so 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 we're being issued immediately if, if it's a straightforward enough um, update but others are just taking it a little bit longer I assume cheers um, she didn't leave her name but uh, thank you for that and if that's what you want to do, rather than writing a big long or you haven't got time to, to do a call with us, just pop it in to a WhatsApp voice note and pop it off to 083 396 96 96. Lots of people wanting uh, Nicole's Instagram details to go in and follow her and have a look. Uh, her weight loss Instagram, which is the one we were talking about this morning, is living underscore as underscore Nicole. There's a H in the Nicole, and they're small letters. Living underscore as underscore Nicole, with a H in the Nicole. Owen English has a piece in The Examiner where he he reminds us of the movie Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri. Remember that film? Was it Francis... Oh, it doesn't gone on my head, but it was a good movie anyway. And Deborah O'Connell, you reminded him of that movie by erecting your placards... Uh, out near the Angler's Rest. Good morning to you. Good morning, how are you? Good. What, you're protesting at the knocking of trees. Why? Exactly, because um, first they were needlessly knocked. Secondly, they destroyed the area. And um, thirdly, we're just not getting any response from anybody. This what is between the Angler's wrong. Rest and Lee Mount Cross. Exactly, and Lee Mount Cross was taken as well. Mm. How many whole, trees it's about, a, it's about a quarter of a mile they took of roadside trees, which is, um, it's horrifying and it's shocking and it's awful. And it was unnecessary again. Now, I assume some of them were taken because they were falling down or rotten yes. or diseased. Yes, there was Dutch, there was a report done um, by an arborist. Dutch elm disease was in um, 10 of them and I think eight more. So they took 80, they should have taken those 18. We have no issue with that um, because health and safety and all of that. But they actually went and took horse chestnut trees, sycamore trees, ash trees, which the arborist in his report said they should just be pruned back. The rest of the trees that were there should have been just cut down to a certain height for safety. Um, but no, they decided they were going to take everything down right down to the ground. Not a chance of anything growing again. It's awful. It really is. I mean, the photographer, the Irish examiner said to me a few days ago, he said, it's ironic, he said, they're pushing for them to stop cutting down trees in the Amazon and here they are over here and they're doing it everywhere. I mean, it's in the countryside. You go through the countryside, there are big, huge, enormous trees just being chopped all over the rows of them being chopped all over the place. Mm. And the arborists said they need to be trimmed. I mean, the, the, see, we've had yes. so many storms, Deborah, yeah. and has uprooted so, a lot of old trees, you know? Exactly, but the arborists came out and what he asked, I got, I had to apply under the Freedom of Information Act 2014 for the report because nobody would give it to me. Um, in fact, I was told by one representative that I would have to take them to court to get it. But anyway, um, through the uh, Freedom of Information Act, I got it. And I read, the, it was an unredacted report I got. And I read it, and it clearly states at the back his recommendations. And his rec- particularly, he, he pointed out the horse chestnut tree. Prune it back, leave it alone, basically. Okay. Same with the sycamore trees and the, the ashes. They were to be left alone, just pruned. 
but instead of that, they've taken them away. Stay there, they Deborah. They literally, they scalped it. Let's bring in Councillor Mick Nugent. Mick, good morning. If those trees were healthy and an arborist report just said, you know, tidy them up, trim them back, tree surgeon job, why were they ripped out of the ground, cut down? That's a good question, PJ. And the reply, myself and Kenny Collins got at the City Council, the local area committee was a bit shorter than that, and fair play to Deborah. But unearthing the information through the Freedom um, request, you know, what the City Council were saying, the report to us, you know, an arborist had assessed the area and a number of trees were infected with Dutch Island disease and were a threat to the, I suppose, public safety and the road. Yeah. Um, I was out there myself, PJ, because there was, you know, I was actually I was startled really when I saw it's really dramatically altered the landscape there mm. in Mount. And you'd and understand Mount, the Dutch yeah. elm disease, like they've got to go, yeah. but like sycamores, blackthorns, horse chestnuts, ash trees, they don't get Dutch elm. No, no, they don't. no, no. I think it doesn't jump like, from species to species. Yeah, no. Deborah's right. They've gone way. I think the count, you know, they've gone way overboard here, in my opinion. Um, when I was out there because there's a monument out there to Patrick Murphy who was killed during the Civil War. When I initially saw it, I said I thought there was some, you know, something being planned. Or, but it's really, you know, I can understand where Deborah is coming from. I spoke to her a number of times, and it's, you know, I don't have you seen the PGR the photographs. But I have seen the photos, yeah, and I know the area reasonably yeah. well. I mean, those trees are part of the landscape out there. They are actually yeah. part of the landscape, part of the community. The council yeah. issued a statement to the examiner, which I'll, I'll, I'll read for you both. Uh, it says. The works were carried out solely in the interest of pedestrian and road users' safety and were not a matter for consultation. We've received only two complaints from residents. We do accept it might have been beneficial, it would have been beneficial rather, to inform residents of the necessity for carrying out the works, which is kind of a way of saying, well, we're sorry we didn't tell you we're going to do it, but we're going to do it anyway. We're going to do it anyway, exactly. And that's what they do. And they come along and they apologise afterwards, or they don't even apologise, they just make a statement and walk away. No consequences, nothing. Well, they say it was a matter of safety and there was no, well, not a matter of... Well, according to the Arborist report, which, by the way, was just a walk-by report, it states it in the report, based on a walk-by, all these trees have been removed. Um, and based on that, this is what they're saying, they're lying. Basically, I mean, I, well, I don't well, suffer fools. Let's, let's, so, let's, let's be careful of, of, of not they're, 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 calling anybody not, a liar here. Okay. They would they're argue telling, very, very not, strongly. I'm yeah. sure they would. But they're not actually telling you what the report says. Yeah. Have any of them read the report? Lastly and briefly, Mick, can report, you take this any further? See. Sorry, Deborah. Hmm? Lastly and briefly, Mick, can you take it any further? Well, we will. If we, you know, we've got, we've got that report. You know, I, I was out there Easter. Uh, we were laying a reed at the monument, and I must talk to Deborah. I did see what seems to be some um, planting there. Um, so I don't know what, who has done that. That was the I landowner, know, I believe. Yeah. And I think the landowner, we asked about the landowner, and the council said they tried to make contact with him, and they're unsuccessful. And I know he's been in contact now with the council, so perhaps that's our avenue to get, like an get it, get it replanted and reseeded it's, and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, it should okay. be it should be done like okay. it should be done okay. by the council. Like, they okay. need sorry, to, PJ, I'm yeah. going to leave I, it here for no reason I, other than time, I, guys. Sorry, could I just say um, ten seconds? Um, yeah, John Sheehan, uh, councillor, came back to me and said that um, the, the city council had said that they couldn't find the landowner. There was no re uh, nobody registered. They asked locals who owned the land, and we said no, we didn't know. The dogs on the street know who owned okay, the land. Okay, well, we'll leave it at that for there, and thank you for understanding that we are caught for time. Deborah and Mick, trees are gone. You can't exactly wish them back.
but certainly they seem to have been taken well the, the council said they needed to go simple as can we just talk the opinion line on Corks 96 FM with dairy made premium spread 100% natural and made in Cork using West Cork cream the lines are live and we're ready to talk can we just talk Call 1850-715-996. Text or WhatsApp 083-396-9696. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. On Cork's 96FM. If you missed anything between 9 and 11 this morning, then don't forget our first two hours. In fact, the whole show goes up on podcast in mid-afternoon to all of your usual platforms and to the Cork's 96FM app. The name I was searching for was Frances McDormand, the actress in uh, Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri, which is a fine, fine movie. Fine, fine movie from around 2017, I think it was. Well worth a watch, actually, if you have something to look for something to watch at the weekend. 1850-715-996. Before I go on, I must thank the lady who was listening to me Oh, it's about two weeks ago now, or maybe slightly more before I went on on my Easter break. I was talking to um, Margaret from Griffin's Garden Centre about their decision, herself and John's decision to retire, and hopefully that the garden centre will reopen under a new lease or whatever. But we were having a nice conversation, and during that I mentioned a thing called Borders Dark, Dark Chocolate Biscuits, which I had discovered out there um, when I was shopping one time Borders Dark Chocolate Ginger Biscuits and I would never go on holidays for example without a couple of packets of them but with Griffin's uh, being out where it is I often find it hard to find these things and um, I got a package in the post yesterday I got it this morning from I think it's Katrina who told me that she was queuing at the counter at the greengrocers in Castle Martyr and lo and behold they caught her eye on a shelf and she picked up and she bought for me how nice she bought me two packets of border dark chocolate ginger biscuits and she wrapped them up in cling film and she put them into a padded envelope and she sent them to me by post and then she says be sure to share these with your team no peeling oranges in your pocket. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to take one packet from myself and I'm going to give the other packet to, to, to Terry and Fergal to share between them for the afternoon. And they'll be here preparing tomorrow's show. But thank you so much, Katrina. That's lovely. That's such a lovely, lovely thing to do. That's my little bit of joy for today. And I also think it'll be a nice sunny afternoon. And it might warm up a small bit, which means I can go out and sit on my deck in the afternoon with a book. The deck that, according to Ross Brown, Ross Brown has been telling us this morning that every deck in Cork, and probably in Ireland, is laid wrong. Now, only that little rapscallion would get away with something like that. But he claims to have found on YouTube a video that says, you shouldn't lay your deck the way we all lay our deck. That the bigger grooves should be facing down for drainage. Which I thought is the greatest load of old cock I've ever heard in my life. Although there are one or two videos where they say, actually, yes, the grooves go down if you have a flat 
side on the other. Anyway, he caused ructions at breakfast time, but I'm going to go home and sit down on my very, very wrongly laid deck this afternoon. Anyway, let us move on. The food we eat has a very important role, not just in nutrition, but now the experts tell us that it could have an effect on our mood and our well-being and generally how we feel day to day. So much work has been done, but a lot of it here in Cork, about how the food we eat affects our thinking, our moods and our general overall sense of well-being. And now we know that there are things we should not eat at all or at least try to avoid or cut down upon if we want to generally feel better overall. Dr. Kirsten Birding Harold is a postdoctoral researcher at APC Microbiome Ireland. Kirsten, good morning. Good morning. How are you? Good. It's a fascinating um field that what we eat not just affects our nutrition and all that, but affects our mood. It is. It is very, very fascinating. And there's been so much more research in recent years just showing how all these different foods really just affect our brain, not just how we feel, but also like our capacity to think and just everything. It's really fascinating. How does it happen? Well, that's still one of the things we're trying to figure out. Uh, so some of the mechanisms that still, you know, they're still there. But one of the things that, you know, we are looking at in the APC is potentially that the diet, what we eat, affects the bacteria in our guts. And they can somehow signal to our brain and affect how we feel and how we think. Mm. Dr. John Cryan, GCC, did, has done incredible work in the area of how what you eat how what you eat can affect your thinking process and he's done some work with, with, with animals on it and all that but like we're gone far more down the road now in that there are things that you should put into your diet to to lift your mood mm-hmm. Yes, so we have actually just finished a smaller study with humans um, and we showed that in four weeks those you know those people who followed the diet um, felt less stressed and the diet was specifically rich in fruits and vegetables, legumes, nuts, seeds, the whole grains, so all the good foods, um, fermented foods as well, so some kimchi or sauerkraut and kefir, um, and very low amounts of the bad foods, what we like to say. So, you know, the fried foods, all the sugary drinks, the candy, and all the sweets. Um, so we showed that, you know, by, showing, by changing your diet that way, you actually will feel a lot less stressed. Yeah, which is very important at this time and and how Mm -hmm. stressful this time has been. And there are actually things we can put into our diet and take out of our diet that will help us to get through it. Yes, exactly. So like you said, especially in these times, it's so very important that we do anything we can to, you know, decrease our stress level. And that's not just how we feel, but it's also how our body responds. Um, so, you know, being stressed, you can have increase in like inflammation or something in your body, which will affect all of your other organ systems. So, you know, if you eat something that doesn't just make you feel less stressed, but also is positive for your body, you can, you know, it can, it can change. It can change a lot of things for you. Now, I'm looking at a, a list I got here of 15 foods for good gut, gut health and, and just... Brussels sprouts, which I love them. <laughs> bananas, and I'm a big fan of bananas. Um, sourdough. Now, sourdough is like was sort of the new manna during lockdown. Everyone went mad on sourdough, mm-hmm. uh, and that's yeah. what. What? Why does sourdough work? 
Um, well, sourdough—it's the, the ferment. That's the fermentation part. So, like sourdough bread, that you know, the whole wheat sourdough bread is is really what you know can feed your good microbes. Um, but it's not just that. I think other fermented foods, I think, would also be important, uh, like kefir or kombucha or sauerkraut. Yeah. Uh, those would be important to you too. Yeah, olive oil, which mm-hmm. you know, always better to cook in than vegetable or that kind of stuff. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Almonds, which we love, almonds. So mm-hmm. they're all there. They're all they're all relatively accessible. They are, yeah. And, and you know, the other thing is that people sometimes maybe, you know, associate those healthier foods with they're potentially more expensive. But really, you know, you can go to the store and you can buy. You know, carrots are relatively cheap. Broccoli is relatively cheap. So, um, you know, switching to a, a more healthier diet might not necessarily be more expensive or not as you know as expensive as people might think. Yeah. Yeah, bad things to avoid like diet soda, diet fizzy drinks, um, mm-hmm. saturated fats, red meat. So we've been told for years now we should cut down our red meat to a couple of times a week, if at all. Yes, well, the, the, there has been some changes in that research area, but yes, generally there's compounds in the red meat that can be converted in the body um, to harmful compounds. So. We should generally eat less red meat and more like the poultry or mm. turkey um, along those lines. And fish, of course. Why diet fish, drinks? Yeah. What is the problem with diet drinks? Um, I, I don't think it's just the diet drinks. I think it's in general the drinks, like the sugary drinks, like the Coke and all of that. Um, mm. With the diet drinks, there's some research now coming on all the sweeteners that are in there. And... Um, it's, it's thought that they could have more detrimental effects on the microbiome or the bacteria as well, whereas just the regular drinks, they just have, you know, the sugar. So the sugar would just be converted too fast in your the body. Artificial uh, whereas, sweeteners, of course, yes. they can react yes. strangely. Yeah. Yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah. yeah. One of my favorites, uh, Roquefort cheese. Now, no one else will stay in the, mm. will, will stay in the, in, in the room with me if I have some Roquefort cheese, but that's very good for you. <laughs> Yes, yes, it is, and I love cheese too. I, I eat, I probably eat too much cheese, but I agree, it's, it's very good. Yeah, garlic, and we're more. Mm-hmm. I mean, we, I don't know what we have a fascination in Cork with garlic. We eat loads and loads of, of garlic. Again, very good for you. Yes, garlic and onions—they're very rich in what we call the prebiotic fibers, so they're very accessible to to the microbiome, um, and they're so easy to add to. I mean, really anything that you cook, you can add garlic and onions, and it just makes it taste better too. Yeah. I mentioned earlier uh, your colleague, uh, Dr. Crine, uh, because the first time I spoke with him was many years ago where they were investigating a connection between diet and, and autistic behavior mm. and that some of the things people take into their gut can affect uh, autistic behaviors. That research is still going on, but and, and it's, it's not unrelated to this. The chemical reaction though between what you swallow and how you end up thinking afterwards are we anywhere closer to knowing what that's about Kirsten we we are a little bit closer I think so there's you know more and more we're realizing you know there could be some of the products the bacteria produce um, could be involved in this there's certain you know neuronal functions and vagus or the vagus nerve is another thing um, the immune system so that we are getting closer um, a lot of this is done in animals, um, so a lot of research still needs to be done in humans. Of course, humans are very different to mice and rats, so mm. we really have to understand in humans how exactly does this work, and you know, is that combination of different chemical reactions that are involved in this whole 
underlying diet-brain connection. Yeah. Come back to something you mentioned a while ago, kefir. Now, what exactly is it? And and is it okay to just buy it in the shop or should you make it yourself? Um, It's okay to buy in the shop, of course. Um, So it's it's a fermented drink. It usually comes, it's fermented milk usually, but um, there's also water kefir or kefir. And there's, there's little kefir grains that you put in the drink and it, the bacteria in there start fermenting the, the, the drinks. Um, so you can uh, buy those grains online. You can make it at home. It's very easy to do. I don't do it myself. I make kombucha, which is fermented tea, which is also very easy to do. Um, it's actually fun having a little experiment at home uh, going all the time. But buying it in the store, of course, is very is very appropriate as well. Okay. And, of course, at difficult times like this, we should be looking after what we eat because mm-hmm. it, it's effect, it, it affects mood. And mood is so important in getting through these difficult times. Yes, yes, exactly. And, and there's also some research showing, you know, it actually also affects your sleep. So, you know, the bacteria mm-hmm. can affect how well you sleep. And, of course, this is all related. If you have a good night's rest, you feel a lot better you probably feel a lot stressed so it's, it's all connected and it seems to be coming down you know in parts to the diet and the bacteria yeah kombucha lastly mm-hmm. uh, again uh, it's 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 a word that is out there um, but what is it exactly so that is fermented tea um, so then you have just tea you put um, that it's called a scoby so that's where the bacteria would be in and they would ferment the tea with um, sugar and then you get a nice fizzy drink, which can be a little sour sometimes, but very delicious and very good for you too. So how would you, can you make that at home too? I mean, fermented tea, we've all got tea in the house. Yes, yeah, so you can make that at home. I believe you can buy um, what is called the SCOBY. You can buy it. There will be instructions in it. And really, it's easy. You, 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 know, you make the tea, you put sugar in, you put the SCOBY in, you let it stand for a week or 10 days. You know, you take it out, you have a tea, and you can redo this all the time. It's a very easy process to do, um, and there's really, it's very foolproof, so there's not a lot of things that, that can go wrong with no, it. No, no, it's just tea at the end of the day. Yeah. All right, listen, pleasure to speak with you, and, and thank you very much for that. That's Dr. Kirsten Birding Harold, who is the postdoctoral researcher at the APC Microbiome Ireland, which is a big, long title. Um, the work that's being done by herself and Dr. Crane at UCC is just phenomenal into understand. You know the old saying they took. They were telling us, they were telling us twenty years ago, you are what you eat. Um, but obviously you are. Your your well being is is down to a great extent to what you eat. Eighteen fifty seven one five nine nine six. That list of fifteen foods. Some of them I don't know what they are at all. But ordinary yogurt now. Ordinary live yogurt, probiotics, loads of them, sugar-free, full-fat yogurt, and put in your own fruit for a, a nice breakfast. Kefir, of which we've discussed. Miso, no, nothing about it, but it's made out of soya beans. Sauerkraut, which is kind of a fermented cabbage, a German dish. Kimchi, again, a strange name, but great stuff. Comes from Korea. Uh, use it with salad or meat or eggs or whatever. Uh, and actually, Koreans, when they're having the photograph taken, in other words, we say cheese. Well, in Korea, they say kimchi. Sourdough, everyone's on about sourdough. Almonds, there's a packet of almonds in the press at home all the time. Olive oil, 
kombucha. You've just heard about it. Peas. I love peas. I love peas. And the peas are on the list. Put them into soup or put them into stir fry. Ah, just eat a bowl of them on your own. They're grand. Brussels sprouts. You see, the humble and much maligned Brussels sprout. Very, very good for you. Uh, Bananas, Roquefort cheese, garlic and ginger. See? See? My dark chocolate ginger bit. Oh, not that kind of ginger. All right. Thanks. 1850-715-996. Ah, yeah. Renzo. Renzo says, I've been saying it for years. Decks are all laid upside down. What did Ross Brown start? Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With Dairy Made Premium Spread. 100% natural and made in Cork using West Cork Cream. Join Casey and Ross in the morning on Cork's 96FM for your chance to win with Aldi all week long. We're giving away €300 Aldi vouchers each day to one lucky winner. Check out Aldi's click and collect service using the Aldi app for a simpler shopping experience. See aldi.ie for more information. Listen all week from 6am to win. Only on Cork's 96FM. People are very worried about boards. Um, experts in Ireland very worried about our boards. A quarter of the boards most best known in Ireland are now what they call red listed. This is a new paper compiled by a number of different charities, including uh, Birdwatch Ireland. Niall Hatch of Birdwatch Ireland joins me. Niall, good morning to you. Good morning. Birds hugely popular with our listeners here, so we can chat about them for as long as you want. Uh, but let's talk first about, about the, the red-listed ones. Uh, what You've a beautiful um, photo of a, of a puffin, for example. Uh, now, I have never seen a puffin, but we used to have lots of them around the coast, didn't we? Oh, we did, absolutely. And, and in some areas, we still do. But what we are seeing is we're seeing declines in their breeding success. Uh, and you know, so there's fewer young joining the adults in the population. And then uh, when they die off, population goes down and down. And it's got so stark that we're um, actually predicting that unless urgent action is taken, puffins will become extinct globally within the next 100 years, which would be an absolute tragedy. They're a uh, gorgeous little bird. Aren't they? I think, I think, I think you know, if, if puffins didn't exist, organisations like Birdwatch Ireland would have to invent them because they're the perfect poster campaign, aren't they, for, uh, for, for wildlife. And it just shows, you know, just how much people do relate to birds and how important they are to our lives. I think more and more people have understood that, especially over the past year with, with the of COVID. People have turned to wildlife in a big way. Absolutely. I think it's time that we, we as a society stood up and tried to protect it some more, though. Now, I remember being a small boy and being told that the corn crake was in danger of existence. That hasn't changed. In fact, it's gotten worse. It has. Um, sadly, the, the corncrake uh, numbers have really dwindled. There are maybe only 120, 130 pairs left breeding in Ireland, and uh, it's gone from vast swathes of the country. Uh, that, that, was, uh, that was largely due to um, the increased intensification of agriculture, the switch away from traditional farming methods, and uh, that kind of environmental change. It just didn't allow any room for the corncrakes, and they were pushed out to the margins where, where they, they still survive. So there are um, populations still in, in, in parts of Donegal and Mayo, particularly on offshore islands, and a few other pockets uh, off the west coast, but um, few and far between, sadly. Mm. Is the curlew still in danger? 
the curlew is in danger, yes. The curlew could even be uh, at a lower population level than the corncrake. Uh, the, it's, it's one that was sort of slipping under the radar for a while, but a few years ago, uh, through the work that Bertle Jernan did on um, our National Bird Atlas um, survey project, we realised that populations had absolutely collapsed by uh, by about 97% uh, within Ireland. So that's one that's also now on this red list, has been critically endangered, and is facing extinction as a breeding species in Ireland in the next 10 years, unless that, uh, that, that tide can be turned. Something that I saw on the list, and it, 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 I've, I've rarely seen something as beautiful in flight as a kestrel. A kestrel yeah. in full flight is such a gorgeous thing to see. They're gone on the red list. They are, and uh, they used to be such a familiar sight along the sides of motorways and roadways around Ireland. In some areas, you do still see them with some, with, with some regularity, but from a lot of Ireland, they, they have disappeared or declined drastically. Uh, and that sort of reflects things that have happened to lots of our birds of prey. The Kestrel would have been one of the most visible birds of prey that we have in Ireland because of this hovering uh, flight that they have, you know, people would see them over the fields. Um, so other birds of prey would be more secretive, so you wouldn't notice them. But it is showing this general decline because the ecosystems that they depend on are collapsing. We're seeing uh, less prey available for them because they, they feed on, on, on small mammals. Mm. They're being hit, impacted by, by rodenticides, rat poisons as well, getting into their systems. The same thing has happened to the barn owl, which is another red-listed uh, breeding bird. Uh, so that, that's, you know, it's been really stark. And, and a lot of these would have traditionally been associated with farmland particularly. So that's where we're seeing yeah. some of the biggest declines. Because now, of course, farmers treat their their crops so much that even the little dormice and that kind of thing are, are little little voles that mm. these birds would... would would take as prey, they're gone. Yes, that's a, that, that, that's a very big part of it, absolutely. And I, one of the most important things that we in Burbage Ireland are calling for and have been for, for a long time is that Ireland needs to focus more on financially rewarding high nature value farming. Farmers who, who do the right thing um, for biodiversity and for wildlife, too often they're, they're financially penalised for this rather than being celebrated and supported. This is something that the state needs to be much better at doing. Uh, farmers need our help and our support. If, there wasn't, if it wasn't for farmers, we'd have no farmland birds at all. Um, and I think it's really important that uh, they are properly resourced and we look at um, the, the essential benefits of biodiversity you know the, the diversity of all the different living things we have around us uh, as being one of the products of agriculture and the farming it's really vital we, we get so much of, of what we call ecosystem services from these you think for pollinating insects for example pollinating our crops and we get uh, all sorts of organisms purifying our water and cleaning our air all of these things that's worth literally tens of billions of euros to the Irish economy every year but because up until now we've got it for free we have completely taking it for granted uh, and that has to change we have to realize that um, these are finite resources and if we don't manage them correctly we're going to lose them and then we are really as a species ourselves going to be in big trouble some of the things there is good news of course and something we've noticed in the last few months as we watch the birds for hours on end because having hours of ends of nothing else to do as it were robins it's no coincidence that i've seen quite a number of robins because we we've got more of them Yes, uh, robins actually, and um, their status has improved, which has been nice. Another another bird, which is one of the winners, is the missile thrush. Another bird, which actually seems to be reversing the trend and is doing better within Ireland. And both are fairly common species, and they're they're quite adaptable to living around humans. So that's that's probably why. But that, that certainly that should be celebrated. Uh, another species that we've seen increase um, over the last few years in Ireland, for, for, from not having been here at all, is a bird called the great spotted woodpecker. So mm. where I'm speaking to you from now, in 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 my home in County Wicklow, and we've become quite 
used to seeing woodpeckers coming into our gardens and as a nature reserve, I've got a nature reserve just down the road from me here, uh, where, where they actually visit the, the peanut feeders there as well. Yeah. They uh, colonise Ireland naturally uh, from Wales. They flew across the Irish Sea about 15 years ago and since then they've slowly but surely been spreading across the country and they've been recorded in many counties now. And so it's probably only a matter of time before you see some yourself. Um, and that's been a success story in Ireland. Brilliant. Our cuckoos have arrived. Yes. Yeah, um, that's right. The cuckoos, the cuckoos are, are. This is sort of the time for their peak arrival. They're on the way in now. Uh, Burbage Ireland runs a, a special project uh, to monitor them each year, along with uh, other conservation organisations across Europe uh, and Central Asia and Africa as well. And that's called Spring Alive. There's a website springalive.net. We're asking people to go and report their first cuckoos there when they hear them or when they see them, and also a few other migrant species as well. So swifts, swallows, uh, sand martins, and a lovely little beach bird. And you find us all on the shingle beaches called the ringed plover. Uh, and people can go on there. They can track the progress of these birds as they arrive back across Europe, having spent the winter in Africa, mm. uh, and could do with their own sightings. And then the cuckoos, yes, absolutely. We've had a few reports now in the past week, so they're, they're, they're certainly coming in in numbers now. Isn't there an ancient Irish saint associated with the cuckoo in today's feast day? I forget his name. Or is it, it, I, yes, I think so. Saint Saint Ruan or something yeah. like that, I think it is. Yes, yes, and today is the feast day. So this, this, this day, today, the 15th of April, was traditionally the day where people would expect to first hear, hear the cuckoo. Uh, and uh, and you know, certainly it, it, the, the there's some truth to that. This does coincide with their migration. I know that we've had uh, the, the first uh, records were at the end of March this year, um, but there's always a few early cuckoos. What's more important from a conservation point of view is for us is to monitor when the main arrival date is, you know, when the peak arrival is, because that tells us a lot more about how the birds are responding to things like climate change. Yeah. Um, it, it tells us when we're going to get a bit of a proper spring rather than this very cold weather we've been having the last yeah. week or so. Yeah. Yes, yes, there can be a good indication of that. I think it's one of the reasons why cuckoos have been taken so to heart by people across Ireland and in other countries as well, because they're the heralds of the good weather. Um, yeah. I think that's what it is. Oh. Always good to talk to you uh, and your colleagues, uh, Jim Wilson and others like that. Uh, Niall Hatch from Bird Watch Ireland. Thank you. There is a young man who plans to run from Cork to Galway before the end of the month. I'm telling you, a Cork lad. And he wants to run from Cork to Galway. Now, not over a period of days, but in one go. That's 200 kilometres. It's an elite ultra run. He's 17 years of age, and his name is Flubiter. And we've been chatting about this mad notion to run from Cork to Galway. So, Flubiter, you did uh, 100 kilometres before when you were just 16, Cork to Limerick. Tell me about that to start with. So I was 16 years old and it all happened that I, I ran, I was meant to be running a five kilometer run and uh, I ended up doing 30 kilometers and then I rang my brother and I was like, hey, I'm after doing 30 kilometers. This is beforehand, like this is before the, the 100 kilometers. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I'm after doing 30 kilometers. I was so happy to him. And then I tried to do 50 kilometers the, a, week, a week later. And then I was like, I, I done the 50 and I was like, oh, this is good. Now, hang on. You, you set out to do a 5K, but you actually, you actually ended up doing 30. I mean, had you ever done anything like that before? So not really. Um, I'm, I mainly focus on MMA. I just do running just on the side, you know, just, just for a bit of fitness. Okay. So you decided, right, I got 30 out of it and then I got 50. How long did the 50 take you and how did you feel after it? Like, So it took me four hours, 20 minutes. Right. And uh, I felt good afterwards. I, I was, I was, I was, I wanted to do more. So right. I wanted, I'd done two weeks before, two weeks afterwards, I'd done a hundred kilometers. Right. And that was to actually set a record because you were the first 16 year old ever to do it, wasn't it? 
Yeah, I was the first 16-year-old to do 100 kilometres, yeah. yeah. Now, the 200-kilometre run, it's really important that you get this done in April, isn't it? Because of your birthday. That's one reason, yeah. Uh, so I'm, I'm, I have to go back doing MMA because I have a fight in July. Right. Uh, in the world, I've been fighting in the World Championships in Italy, or in Turkey, oh. sorry. So I want to do it. I want to do it at the end of April, so I can recover and then go back to MMA and hopefully win a gold medal over there too. Crikey! Well, I'll, I'll talk about that in a minute. But you, 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 you do want to do this before you're 18 because that would be a real first as well. Yeah, that, that's the biggest reason too. Like I, I've been saying it to my brother. So when I was 16 years old, I run. I ran 100 kilometers. When I'm 17 years old, I'm hopefully going to do 200 kilometers. We don't know what's going to happen. Hey, when I'm 18, maybe 300. <laughs> like when you're out there running at that kind of a distance, is it painful? Is it hard? Is it? How does it feel? I try focus on not the not when I'm running. I try focus and try be like try have a bit of fun with it. I don't want to focus on just running. So if I'm running, I'd have a chat with my brother. Just try not just focus on running because then I'm going to overthink it and all that so I just try focus on other stuff and how long do you expect it to take you when you set off I'm hoping to do the 200 kilometers in under 40 hours wow so that's not even time for a kip like that's straight at it you know that's yeah really really and it's Cork to Galway isn't it it is yeah and will you have much support crew with you on the road like do you need much support crew so I'm going to have my brother, my parents, and my parents are going to be driving a camper van on the side, and my brother is going to be on the bike just behind me. Right. Because of the restrictions, you have to have elite athlete status. Is it through your MMA that you get that? So I'm, an, I'm, I'm qualified as an elite athlete because I'm on an Irish team, so I'm allowed to run uh, past my five-kilometer radius. Right. You've chosen a charity to raise some money. Yes, I've chosen an Irish Cancer Society to uh, raise money for them. I looked at a lot of charities just before I picked them and uh, I just, it, it was one that took my eye basically. That I, I just focused on them. I was like, yeah, I want to do it for them. And if people want to contribute, how can they do that? So if you search up on Google, just giving and you go on that, uh, you go on that and then you search up just Ferris, F-A-R-E-S, you can, you can donate there. Okay. Talk to me a bit about MMA because you're only you're only seventeen and yet you're entering the world championships. Like, are you professional now at that? Uh, I'm not professional at the moment. Uh, I've I've actually been to the world championships before when I was fifteen years old. Right. And well, I I, did, I lost when I was there, but I I feel this time I'm going to get the gold when I'm over there. I've I've matured a bit more, and I, I've I'm going to do this two hundred kilometers. I'm going to complete this. And afterwards, I'm going to go to Turkey and get a gold medal there too. How long are you fighting? I've been doing this when I, since I'm 12 years old, so five years right now. And would you have ambitions to turn pro? Um, and that's like MMA is my main thing. Uh, I've only been doing ultra running on the side just because lockdown and the gyms are closed. So my main goal is to make, hopefully, make the UFC, get a UFC champion. Could be the next Conor McGregor here. <laughs> I just love the way you say, I just do ultra running on the side, like. Yeah. That's mad stuff. Well, I wish you well with it, and let us know when it's happening, when the actual date is on, and we might, if it's a weekday, might try and catch up with you while you're on the road. That would be fun. And you're not to dare go to Turkey without talking to me again, because I want to follow that too. 
Yeah, so I'll, I'll talk to you straight after 200 kilometers if you'd like that. <laughs> That'd be brilliant. Talk to me at the start and talk to me at the end. It would be absolutely fantastic. Best of luck to you, and we'll talk again. Yeah, I'll hope to talk to you soon. Thank you. Flubber Farez, Cork lad, 17. Uh, full of ambition and spirit. Good on him and good luck with that. We'll keep in touch with him through his... It's his brother, Ab, who contacted us about him. This time yesterday, I told you I was running a poll on Twitter just with all the developments in vaccines and all of that. Uh, this was before we found out yesterday that we were going to get another half a million uh, Pfizer vaccines for this country. So the question I asked in my poll was, given the AstraZeneca story as it now stands, and given the worrying developments about Johnson & Johnson, and understanding that safety is paramount, would you take a vaccine tomorrow if you were called upon to receive it? Straightforward question. I ran it over a night and into a day, and we got nearly 900 replies, which is pretty good. And remember, because a person can only vote once on Twitter, it's reasonably, reasonably sound in terms of margin of error. So, of those who replied, 10% said they would have some concerns, which I suppose that's a vaccine hesitancy thing. 16% said they wouldn't take a vaccine if they were called upon to do so tomorrow. And 74% of those who answered said, yes, they would take a vaccine tomorrow if called to receive it. I also see on Twitter this morning where Something like nine, is it 900 or 9,000 people have already registered on that portal, that HSE portal. Which, by the way, no one can find the web address. We're looking for it all morning. How you get to find it? I've no idea because uh, we're told that people are already trying to scam on Facebook, pretending that they will get you into the vaccine portal, pretending that they will get you an. Uh, a booking and an appointment and all that and looking to take money off you. If you see anybody advertising on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram or any one of those that they can get you through to the HSE vaccine portal and for a sum of XYZ, 10, 20 quid more, they will get you your appointment. It is a scam. How quickly they were at it though. We found it. We found it www.vaccine.hse.ie www.vaccine.hse.ie If you open that, then you can use the service. It is only open to people aged 65 to 69 at the moment. Uh, anybody in that group will get the AstraZeneca. They're asking people to register on specific days. Today, you can register if you're 69 uh, tomorrow, 68, Saturday, 67, Sunday, 66, Monday, 65. And then they'll be assigning the appointments by age, so it doesn't matter how quickly you register. If you're not in these, in these groups, don't register now. You will not be vaccinated if your registration details don't match your ID. At least there's that. And you need a mobile phone number, you need an email address, you need your PPS number, your air code lock of hair, DNA sample I'm only joking about the last two 1850 715 we'll see how it goes, we'll see how it goes I meant to tell you a story from New Jersey where I have a buddy who lives 
and he wants to get back to Ireland in August. His dad has a very significant roundy birthday coming up, uh, end of August, start of September. So he obviously wants to get vaccinated so he can get back without having to quarantine. Uh, So he had registered with his local health centre and he got a text on the morning at 7am to tell him that they were confirming the appointment for his vaccine and then he could manage the appointment. He got an appointment, blah, blah, blah. And then later that day, because the development with Johnson & Johnson came, uh, he got another text cancelling his Johnson & Johnson appointment based on CDC guidance and more information. So he was worried then because he thought, right, he's younger than me. He thought, well, I'll never get back in. So because... Uh, sure, they're not going to give me Pfizer and I'll be waiting forever to get one. So he didn't. He rang his local hospital. This is the best bit. He rang his local hospital and told them the situation and they said, what age are you? He's such and such an age. And they said, right, they asked for his health insurance details, which, okay, they'll do that anyway in the States. And he is booked in for a Pfizer appointment soon. Uh, he reckons it'll be a week or so. He's going to get a Pfizer appointment very soon. That's how to do it. 1850 715 996. The Opinion Line on Corks 96 FM. With Dairy Made Premium Spread, 100% natural, and made in Cork using West Cork Cream. The drama is sensational. That's 80. And it's all right here. Greenish for seven! Join me, Trevor Welch, on 96fm.ie for the Premier League Live online, powered by TalkSport. Go, go. This Saturday is a battle between relegation and a Champions League place when Newcastle take on West Ham at 12.30. On the late kickoff is Wolves versus Sheffield United at 8.15. The Premier League Live Online. With Now. Only pay for the games that matter to you. Your sport on your terms. With Now. Listen every Saturday on the Cork's 96FM app or see 96FM.ie. 96FM. This time last year festivals and events and concerts and sport and you name it were falling by the wayside at a rate of knots. There wasn't a day we started here that by the end of it something else hadn't been cancelled owing to COVID-19. And as we head into a second spring and summer, loads more stuff is going to have to be cancelled or readapted. Have a listen to this. It's an extract from a promotional video being used to launch the 2021 Cork International Online Choral Festival. Fully online. Uh, Artistic Director is Peter Stobart. Peter, good morning to you. Good morning. Gone completely online this year. That's a major job of work, considering that they used to come to Cork from, what, 40 countries? 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, we didn't want to cancel for a second year in a row. We thought it was very important, actually, to be, to put ourselves back on the map. So, yes, it's a complete reimagining. Um, you say we used to have 40 countries going, absolutely, but actually we've got um, we've got uh, 48 international choirs who have all sent videos in to us, and they've come from Russia, Venezuela, the US, China, you know, all over the place, as well as the more obvious European countries. So, um, so in some sense, going online is, is actually almost broadening um, our, our reach, at least. Uh, and it's really good to have all of those um, videos, which we're going to be um, showing during the course of the festival, which is the 28th of April to the 2nd of May. Mm. We'll be showing all of those on, online um, at some point. And these have all been specially commissioned for the festival? Well, uh, some of them are competition videos. We've, we've held an online video competition because we felt that that was that was what choirs were doing at the moment so so so, so that seemed the most relevant thing um to do so so lots of those are competition videos um and and then some are, are just you know this is what we've been doing and we'd like you to share it with 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 all of your followers Mm. Of course, 96FM are proud to be partners with the festival again, and I should mention that. You've got four gala performances which people can buy tickets for online. That's right, yeah. Um, you can get your tickets from corkcoral.ie. Um, the first of those is a, a sort of documentary concert, if you like, about about the group Anuna, uh, which is run by Michael McGlynn. Mm. Um, and then uh, the, they the sang on the river dance original. Oh, that's right. Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, and then there's Chamber Choir Ireland, who who are um, the uh, resident choir, as it were, um, and they're, they're always with us. But they're performing on on the Friday, and they uh, they're performing uh, amongst other things. Um, the uh, Sean O'Reilly Composition Competition uh, winner for this year and last year. Last year's didn't get its performance. Um, so um, that's really important this year because it's actually the 50th anniversary of Sean O'Reilly's death, right. uh, which perhaps people there hadn't realised. So um, we're, we're very much promoting that. And it's great that the, the O'Reilly family are supporting new choral compositions. Indeed. Talk uh, to me about the Workplace Choir of the Year. Yeah, so um, we launched well, we launched our in-house um, choir works programme. Um, and I've spoken, I think, about that before, um, um, bringing choirs into the workplace, but of course online, um, and that's had a great uptake. Um, and that's sponsored by IBEC, mm. who are our sort of partners with that, and they've got a choir uh, in that. We've got Tellers taking part, Energia, um, Longford County Council, even, and the uh, and the Irish Times Group, and and, and a couple of others. Um, and we've been running those. And then um, the the end product for those choirs is, is is this competition, which we call Workplace Choir of the Year. And we've got 10 other choirs joining them. So I think we've got 18 choirs all competing wow. um, for, for this trophy. Oh, exciting <laughs> stuff. Yeah. Now, you have a very specially commissioned piece to to open the festival. And so special is that I can't even have it to play here just yet. But in fe- <laughs> it features our beloved Elmarie. It does, yeah. we've um, we The festival has, has, has always been um, uh, very willing to commission new works. And, of course... Um, that would normally be choral works or, or indeed trophies and that sort of thing. But I think possibly for the first time we've we've decided to commission a poem, um, and that's from Billy Ramsell, who's a who's a Cork poet. We asked him to write a poem, um, uh, and uh, Elmarie is is reading it for us, um, and and it's called a singing city, Cork a singing city. Mm. 
So it's um, <clears throat> it's a sort of homage to to, to the past and, and and also looking forward a little bit. Uh, you know, with the we thing, asked for it this morning and we were told it's still under wraps. You're not getting it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Hopefully, I'll get to hear it and play it beforehand. But but it it, it it will open the festival. So for more information, website and people can buy tickets and stuff. Where do they go, Peter? Absolutely, corkcoral.ie. All right, and it's all on that. Thanks, you, Peter Stobart, Artistic Director of the 2021 Cork International Choral Festival. Cork's 96 FM, of course, proud partners of that. Can't wait to hear Elmery's contribution apart from that. Else. Now, before we go, I love this. There's a great story doing the rounds about a woman who forgot to lock her car yesterday in Yall. She got back to the car and then opened her boot and there's two bags of shopping in it that weren't hers. Ice cream, water bottles, 7-Up. So she brought it all home and she put it in the fridge in the hope that the owner would come forward. And last night, Terry was chatting to her on Facebook and she said that after after an appeal on the local radio down there on CRY, the owner of the shopping came forward and she delivered the shopping to a happy shopper last night. Turns out that the owner of the... I knew this was the punchline. The owner of the bag or the bags mistook the car for her own car. Couldn't understand why the boot was empty then when she got home. Oh, listen. It happens. Quartz 96 FM. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.